Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. Hey, Tom. I'm good. You? Pretty good. I don't, I don't suppose you had a chance to listen to what was released today yet. <laughs> no. You're you're featured quite uh, prominently in the intro. Uh. Okay. That's good or bad. <laughs> or both. I had fun with it. The biggest reason is, is I came from a very dogmatic way of thinking in my literal fundamental way of thinking in Mormonism. Mormonism, Mormonism. And so when I transitioned out of that, this whole world opens up, right? You don't know what to believe. You don't know what up is from down and, and you're pretty much just grasping it. Just evidence and facts. Evidence and facts. Evidence and facts. But it's infuriating too. Like, I mean, why is it that I have to walk down the street and I get an erection for no apparent reason? <laughs> this is Infants on Thrones. The philosophies of men mingled with humans. We are the core. Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Ostland, and this is part five of our investigation into street epistemology as promoted by Peter Bogosian in his book, A Manual for Creating Atheists. Now, today I sit down with Tom and Delaney and Brady and Brad to review and discuss a YouTube video of a street epistemologist conducting a faith intervention with two Mormon missionaries. But before we get to that, I'm sorry to words always think. I need to tell you how very sad and hurt I am by the most recent one-star review that showed up on our Infants on Thrones iTunes account. Sue's pod fan, you have wounded me, sister. You have wounded me deeply. Sue's pod fan, she titled her review way too much ego but she misspelled the two she spelled it t-o instead of t-o-o in a way too much ego um unless of course what she meant to say was it's like a street sign kind of like this way too much ego either way she's probably not completely wrong but here is why she gave us that dreaded one star star of shame sue's pod fan simply says the men in this podcast are very demeaning to their guests. Not a fan anymore. End quote. That's right. The men on this podcast. All of us. The men. All of us. Come on, Sue's pod fan. Really? The men on this podcast are very demeaning. Not just a little demeaning, but very demeaning to their guests. To all of them. Every single one of us men, every time, to all of our guests. Oh, my dear Sue's pod fan, I'm worried for you. See, I've been reading up lately on cognitive distortions. These unhealthy neural pathways in our brains. These unhealthy ways of thinking that are unhealthy because they ultimately put us in places of unnecessary anxiety or despair. And this cognitive distortion that you just did here in this iTunes review is called overgeneralizing. And I'm just really, really worried for you, Sue's Pod fan. I'm worried that you may be giving yourself unnecessary anxiety and despair 
through this unrecognized cognitive distortion. But now, I'm quite certain that Sue's Pod fan, you are the reason that we as a panel started today's episode that was recorded several weeks ago by reviewing some of these cognitive distortions. I mean, I think we were inspired to do this for you. I think that this is an intervention for you, Sue's Pod fan, in honor of you and our shared desire for your improved mental health, as well as our own, of course. So with that in mind, I give you today's episode. <laughs> or both? I had fun with it. Yeah, I'm sure you did. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say that. All right. Uh, hey, Delaney, how you doing? Hello. Delaney, what's up? Not much. How are you guys? Good. So, Tom, do, do you remember the, the listener essay about Animal Farm? Ooh, that's stretching my brain. I have a vague memory of it. Okay. Uh, so, so Brad, who you might be seeing on the screen right here, is the, the, the guy who submitted that. He was, oh, nice. Uh, Welcome, Brad. That was great. I have oh, all kinds of God. memories of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know of it. It's yeah. like, it's like uh, here's a little bit of public shaming for Tom. Let's see if he can remember. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just asking. I, I didn't mean to publicly shame you, Tom. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, podcast public shame. Yeah. Yeah, I also did a personal essay where I, I think the – I remember talking about staring the bishop right in the eye because I didn't want him to think that I had uh, was lying to him. And so oh, yeah, I sure. didn't want to break the vision. And so I remember that conversation too. So do, did, we, did we do two episodes with you? Yeah, oh, I did. Yeah, we also yeah. did the, Japan, the, the Lost Tribes one. I remember you were on that yeah, one. Yeah, I did Lost Tribes. I also did uh, like my personal you know, essay that I wrote and uh, talked about my, my college days and uh, you know, mm. the old you know, drugs and rock and roll. And, <laughs> the, the John Lennon mop story yes, that I remember so that, much as a missionary. So, yeah. Yeah, so, so I, I'm in for three, apparently. Nice. Nice. So I'm going to do – going to try and – and do two things tonight. Um, the first one, it'll just depend if it's interesting to any of you or not to talk about, but I want to play that clip. It's a, it's an appendix at Jonathan, at the end of Jonathan Haidt's new book, Coddling the American Mind. And the appendix lists 17 different uh, unhealthy thought patterns, and it, it gives them names and a brief explanation for them. Uh, it's about a five-minute clip. I think I'll go through all of them. And then if there's any ones in particular that you hear that you want to talk about, we'll just talk about them afterwards. So maybe type it down or keep track as we're listening to them. But I've got this theory that uh, the the way that we were raised in the church um, reinforced a lot of these negative uh, thought patterns and that these, these negative thought patterns, a lot of them are systemic endemic to, uh, Mormon culture. Uh, so I'm interested in that. We'll see if that's interesting to anybody else. Okay. Well, it sounds good. I mean, are we not doing that missionary thing? Cause I had to, and then we're going to do that. Oh, so it's a twofer. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 That's what, yeah. So we're going to start off and, and see if we get any traction on that. We won't go for more than like 15 or 20 minutes um, on that. Yeah. I'm, so I'm I was getting, expecting. I was, getting, I was getting all pissy because I'm like, I had to do that homework to watch that very difficult video to watch. Yeah. It gave me flashbacks of the, the missionaries that I was meeting with, which by the way, we're broken up now. We're seeing other people. 
Oh, you're not seeing the mission. You did break up with those missionaries. Yeah. I yeah. told them that we're just going to have to, yeah, they're going to have to see other people and I'm going to have to see other people. <laughs> did you ever, it's did you ever me, get the one? Well, th- there, there was the one that you wanted to really reach. Yeah. Did yeah. you ever reach him? No. So real quickly, the, the two that were coming for the first two meetings, they were really great. And then apparently transfers happened before the uh, third meeting. And the one that I really liked who had a terminal illness, by the way, um, he got a new guy who was a very black and white, very absolutist kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And it was like looking into a mirror of younger Tom self, which was not good. And so, yeah, even my wife, she was eavesdropping. She comes in, she's like, so what's the problem? I was like, ah, it's not going to work out. I think we're just going to have to not keep meeting like this. And she's like, well, what's the matter? You, you run into another elder Tom from younger. Cause he thought the way you did when you were a believer. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, touche. Good. Gravy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He gave me, he, he laid down ultimatums on me and everything. Yeah. Good times. Cool. All right. So I am going to put on these clips. One, mind reading. You assume that you know what people think without having sufficient evidence of their thoughts. He thinks I'm a loser. And we've got a a name for this, right? It's a spiritual gift called discernment is mind reading, right? In Mormon culture. Two, fortune telling. You predict the future negatively. Things will get worse or there is danger ahead. I'll fail that exam or I won't get the job. Or if we don't spread the gospel all over the world, then uh, negative fortune telling. Three, catastrophizing. You believe that what has happened or will happen will be so awful and unbearable that you won't be able to stand it. It would be terrible if I failed. Like the time when I was 18 years old at BYU and I was making out with this girl and she whispered in my ear, what do you want me to do? And my immediate thought was, oh my gosh, if I really do what it is that I actually want to do, I won't be able to go on a mission and then I'll be disgraced and it'll just ruin my entire life. I better just shut things down right now. What a catastrophe it would be if I would have done what I wanted to do. (laughs) What if I'm not worthy? Four, labeling. You assign global negative traits to yourself and others. I'm undesirable, or he's a rotten person. Or a non-member, or a Gentile, or a blind sheep, or a TBM. Five, discounting positives. You claim that the positive things you or others do are trivial. That's what wives are supposed to do, so it doesn't count when she's nice to me. Or, those successes were easy, so they don't matter. Or, sure, that person from another religion, they do good things because every religion has at least a portion of light and truth, but they don't have the fullness of truth, so they still can't be exalted unless they've gone through the ordinances of the Mormon priesthood. So, there's always that. Six, negative filtering. You focus almost exclusively on the negative and seldom notice the positives. Look at all of the people who don't like me. And who misunderstand us and persecute us, all because we have the truth. It's been happening since Joseph Smith's days. And even now that we're apostates, oh, believers just, they won't, they won't relent. They won't let up. Persecution complex, anyone? 7. Overgeneralizing. 
you perceive a global pattern of negatives on the basis of a single incident. This generally happens to me. I seem to fail at a lot of things. I've been rejected before. I'll be rejected again. It's just rejection everywhere you turn. Eight, dichotomous thinking. You view events or people in all or nothing terms. I get rejected by everyone, or it was a complete waste of time. Or you're either on the Lord's side or you're against him because God is the source of all good things and the devil is the source of all bad things. Nine. Shoulds. You interpret events in terms of how things should be, rather than simply focusing on what is. I should do well. If I don't, then I'm a failure. You should follow the word of wisdom. You should get baptized. You should think for yourself and not have the leaders do your thinking for you. You shouldn't have kids being interviewed by bishops. <laughs> 10. Personalizing. You attribute a disproportionate amount of the blame to yourself for negative events, and you fail to see that certain events are also caused by others. The marriage ended because I failed. I passed the job interview because all of my family and friends prayed and fasted for me and the Lord blessed me. I ended up not getting the job, though, because I wasn't righteous enough and I stopped reading my scriptures. 11. Blaming you focus on the other person as the source of your negative feelings, and you refuse to take responsibility for changing yourself. She's to blame for the way I feel now, or my parents caused all my problems. Or the culture of the Mormon church put all of these negative thought patterns in my head, and I just can't do anything to change it now. 12. Unfair comparisons. You interpret events in terms of standards that are unrealistic. For example... You focus primarily on others who do better than you and find yourself inferior in the comparison. She's more successful than I am. Or, others did better than I did on the test. Or, that guy was made a high priest at 24 and I'm 36 years old and still not a high priest. What's wrong with me? 13. Regret orientation. You focus on the idea that you could have done better in the past rather than on what you can do better now. I could have had a better job if I had tried. Or, I shouldn't have said that. Or, I am such a lowly, vile sinner. I can't help it. I keep taking the sacrament every week, but I keep making the same mistakes. And so does Randy. It's masturbation. We're talking about masturbation. If only I hadn't masturbated so much, then the devil wouldn't have so much power over me. 14. What if? You keep asking a series of questions about what if something happens, and you fail to be satisfied with any of the answers. Yeah, but what if I get anxious? Or what if I can't catch my breath? Or what if I'm found lacking at the final judgment bar of God? What if I've tried to do everything that I could do, but I didn't do quite enough? What if there's still more that I need to do that I'm just not aware of? 15. Emotional Reasoning you let your feelings guide your interpretation of reality. I feel depressed. Therefore, my marriage is not working out. Or, I feel the spirit of contention. So, that person that just challenged me on my very sacred beliefs must be influenced by the devil. 16. Inability to disconfirm. You reject any evidence or arguments that might contradict your negative thoughts. For example, when you have the thought... I'm unlovable, you reject as irrelevant any evidence that people like you. Consequently, your thought cannot be refuted. 
that's not the real issue. There are deeper problems. There are other factors. Look, the church is true, and I might not be able to explain it completely why, but I know it is. I feel it. And there's nothing that you can say that will disconfirm that the church is true. Or conversely, the church is not true. It's a net negative, And there's nothing that you can say that will make me think that it's a net positive. 17. Judgment focus. You view yourself, others, and events in terms of evaluations as good, bad, or superior, inferior, rather than simply describing, accepting, or understanding. Oh, Mormons don't do that. There's no, there's no judging in Mormon or as ex-Mormons. We just, we don't do that. Sorry. This list doesn't count at all. It, it's totally out. There's no judgment. <laughs> you are continually measuring yourself and others according to arbitrary standards and finding that you and others fall short. You are focused on the judgments of others as well as your own judgments of yourself. I didn't perform well in college, or if I take up tennis, I won't do well, or look how successful she is. I'm not successful. And that's the list. It's a heavy list, man. It's like... Uh talking to me <laughs> really do you identify with a lot of those tom yeah i most definitely do yeah most definitely a lot of the what is it the imposter syndrome imposter complex or whatever yeah it's it's something i've always fought with you know um yeah what what is what is it called did he put a name to it where you uh obsess and listen and even compulsively focus on any negative and then you dismiss outright any positive. Yeah, I think that was, uh, num well, number six is negative filtering, and num number five is discounting the positives. Yeah. So, yeah, both of those things together. Heavy stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm better than I was, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, do, you, do you think there's anything to this, this theory of mine that the, the culture of Mormonism actually encourages and reinforces those kinds of negative thought patterns? Yes, absolutely. Uh, without a doubt. I mean, I, I think it's one of those things where you're supposed to, you know, they, whether it's intentional or not, they, they get you to think that you need to stay humble. Submissive. Right. Yeah. And, you know, th these are sort of the side effects of having that mentality of just thinking that you're lesser constantly, um, always worried about the judgment of others. Right. Yeah. Whether you're worthy yep. or not worthy. Yep. Yeah. I, I would think that there's a, a weird thing where two things happen. One, they discount the individual, you know, it's without God, you're nothing. Mm -hmm. But then they also have, you know, culturally some demeaning things where, you know, to be too learned, you're, you're too smart, you're too self-sufficient. And so they, they discount anybody who evolves to a level of social maturity or, or emotional maturity that can then push back on the church. And uh, those people are brought down and, and they are labeled as, as others, you know, inside the organization. You know, you're, you're too smart. Yeah, yeah, and if you and if you fit any of those qualifications, you're supposed to check yourself and make sure that you're given the the proper disclaimers of saying, "Well, you know, I give all credit to God or the gospel or or my father, or the bishop." Or <laughs> you're always deferring, right? Whatever accomplishments or personal goals that you've achieved, um, you're constantly pushing that off and giving credit to something or someone else, which doesn't really help. Um, your 
your personal integrity or uh, ego or yeah yeah and and i i think the the culture that exists um there's not malicious intent behind it i think it's it's good intentions and it has been good intentions all throughout but it's it's based on misunderstandings and it really isn't that healthy i don't know i i i i'm i'm very very new to this whole cbt cognitive behavioral therapy approach i, I just heard about it when we listened to that sam harris right jonathan height podcast uh, i think it was just two weeks ago that we listened to it but i so I, I i went you know i got jonathan height's book and then he has some recommendations at the end of that book for some other books to read and so i got two of those and um you know just like and i think i was telling brad so so brad brad and i were um in the mission together and he was here a couple of weeks ago we had uh brunch together and i think i told you uh at the time how you know the getting getting older having the responsibility of a family and kids and all this stuff there's there's sleepless nights sometimes where you're like okay what's <laughs> what have i done with my life have i made the right decisions have i you know not and so going through this list i'm like oh crap i do these things i do these th- these kind of negative uh thought patterns and i want to get better at recognizing them and uh, Jonathan Haidt's co-author of that book, his name is uh, Greg Lukianoff, he was trained to recognize those inner voices inside his own mind and to assign like cartoon character uh, sounds to those voices. So now when he hears them, it's like Elmer Fudd saying it to him or something like that, that that's a way for him to kind of separate that from himself. But Do you think, as you think about that, that there's a portion of as I look at inside the Mormon, you know, the, the Zion curtain, you know, the, the cultural application where women are to do a certain thing and to be a certain way, men are to do a certain thing and be a certain way. Homes are to be run a certain way and being labeled and forced into boxes. Do you think there's an element where you now make people be what they aren't naturally are? And so then there is a little bit of they you don't grow and develop you know you're you're busy trying to play the role that you are and you you kind of are never allowed to be an adult in a way because there's so much control there i think there might be something there as well mm-hmm. that 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 limits that emotional maturity so as you went through the thing i i I flagged like 12 of the 17 i was like oh yeah i can see this and this is what that looks like i yeah. wonder about that yeah, no, I, I, I think I, I think that what these are, are, are habits that we've developed, like thought process habits that were developed. And, and when you leave the church, you don't like scrub and rinse your brain from all the neural pathways that formed over the last 20 or 30 or 40 or year, you know, however long you were um, being conditioned by this environment, by this church culture. And so I think, I think, these ways of looking at the world still continue, even though you're not um, believing in the Mormon church or anything, but you, but you still do those things like labeling, like you talked about um, some of the, the, the comments from Walker points out number eight, false dichotomy um, McConkie. There are only two churches, the LDS church and the church of the devil. Totally. Yeah. Or like how many talks do you hear that's like 
the it's us versus the world or the, you know, the world is wicked, but we're righteous. And, and, and the Gordon B. Hinckley quote, it's, it's Joseph Smith was a prophet of God or he wasn't, it's all true or it's all a fraud. All or nothing. You know, all this stuff. Um, yeah, you know, this idea of, of cat, uh, the number three is, uh, catastrophizing. Everything is, uh, you know, fear of what's going to, even a little thing like getting a uh, double piercing or, you know, things like that, like look out because the slippery slope is fast and it's going to subsume you. And it's just like, everything becomes um, this catastrophe. If, if you, um, yeah. So, so I, I think we could go down the list and do a lot of that with these things. Well, Um, I will, I will say that there are good intentions, right? There are, whether these control mechanisms are in place or destructive or not. And I think that's where we come in to debate this because there is, and just like what Brad said, there's a lot of people that fall out, single mothers, anyone who's gay, mm-hmm. I mean, women, like there's a lot of people that don't fit in these boxes. And I don't think the church or even its structure took that into account. They're like this nuclear family, this, this sort of uh, leave it to beaver style family that we idealize here. If, if you don't strive for it, or if you fall out of there, you should always try to get yourself there because that's where, you know, God's true family structures at. Yeah. And, and it's true that, that that can be a very optimal sort of lifestyle for a lot of people. So it is something that I think some people should strive for. But the fact that there's no room for people that fall out of that structure and fall out of those boxes that are created, that's where it gets really problematic. Yeah. Yeah. It sure does. So I am going to pull up the, uh, the, the, the Mormon missionary thing oh, now and hard, and hard transition now, hard transition. Woo. And and I, and I don't know if this will work or not. I don't know if as we're going through, we can identify, Ooh, they're catastrophizing right there or Ooh, <laughs> they're labeling, right. You know, or we can right. take any of those 17 things. I don't know that I'm familiar enough with them or, or you guys having just heard it are familiar enough with it to be able to do that. But uh, I thought maybe we could listen to it with an eye uh, for that. Um, but also just, you know, anytime we hear something in here, we we've done, four parts now I published part four today of the a manual for creating atheists. So, so this will actually be part five of that series. And, um, you know, how, how well are they doing? You know, I, I, I guess one of the questions that I've had as I've watched more street epistemology videos on YouTube is how do you determine whether it's a successful treatment or not. And we kind of talked about that in part three, where we went through some case studies that Bogosian had. But I, I, I think that the answer is doxastic openness. What is, um, is doxastic? Doxastic openness just means you're, you're more open to asking questions. Oh, you know, so so okay. what one technique that some of these street epistemologists do is they'll ask somebody, um, let, let's, let's focus on one particular belief, which is always really, really hard to stick to just one belief. Of course, yeah. And, and I, you know, on a scale of one to 100, how certain are you that this is true? And so, <laughs> right. and then at the end of the conversation, you ask the same question. And if that number has decreased, okay, maybe, maybe there, there has been some doxastic openness where they're a little less certain than they were before. Yeah. Um, there's a but, visual uh, tell for those things because you can see them stop looking at the person they're talking to and they stare off into space and they, they're at a loss for words. And so you can see in that moment yeah. there something's churning 
And yeah, they may not be on the hole open, but in the moment they are. It's the rider on the back of the elephant going, wait a second, what direction am I going here? <laughs> Did it, I, 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 I'm pretty sure I've got a rational explanation for this thing that I just feel. What, what is it? I've got to find what that is. I, I think that visual tell that you're talking about, Peter, is the um, post hoc narrative creation in action. I do think Mormon missionaries might be immune to that. Yeah. Well, and, and you watched this, right, Brad? You've already seen it. Yeah, I did. I, I yeah. jotted a few notes down. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I think I, I don't. <laughs> what about Elder Kinniger? I think that was his name from God's Army. You guys remember the movie God's Army? There was the one elder that I tried to forget. Oh, I used to show that. I used to show that movie to my folklore students at Indiana University when we would do, we would do like uh, folk groups section, and I would always do a section on Mormons and Mormon folklore, and so we would watch God's Army. Uh, I, I still like that. I haven't seen I it. Too, I do too. It's still on my it's still on my movie shelf. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 a good one. But but I think his name is Elder Kinniger. He's the one that. Uh, gets a hold of the anti-Mormon literature on his mission, and he oh, it's up, him that's yeah that pulls a full stop on his yeah mission. Wow. yeah yeah and yeah. and and he they have the little showdown at the bus stop, and I think he I think he goes, uh, I think he just leaves, um, but so that missionary wasn't immune, Brad. So <laughs> <laughs> so so unless he's just looking, just as he was just looking for a reason to leave, yeah. yeah. He just wanted but to duly noted. Yeah. 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 So be careful with those absolutes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Uh, Delaney, was there anything that you wanted to say before we move on? I know you're having some microphone issues. Was there anything you wanted to say about the negative thought stuff? Oh, I was just going to add like, yeah, that list is really good just to be kind of self-aware because I still to this day will say sorry about stuff. I shouldn't say sorry about kind of mm. apologizing and, um, Anytime I ask for things that I need from whoever, it's like I feel bad automatically that people have to cater to my needs. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a really good list. Cool. And my mic is good now. We're, we're all good. All right. Thanks. Oh, Brady, I missed your text. Okay. Cool. Brady jumped on. So Brady's with us tonight too. Hey guys. Sorry I'm late. Good stuff. Yeah. So, so Brady, you know, you know, Tom, you know, Delaney, um, Brad here was, uh, I'll just say you were one of my companions on my mission. I'll just say it that way. That's way uh, sexier than whatever else. Yeah. We were yeah. in a threesome. Pre- <laughs> yeah. He likes to say we were in a threesome. To- <laughs> we were in a threesome together. In a very right? awkward threesome. Yeah. Yeah. I had three threesomes on my mission. Well, I wasn't on top. I do know that. <laughs> You're more of a receiver. I didn't go on a mission. I'm starting to feel like I missed out on some stuff. I think we're the ones that... Uh, <laughs> we missed out on a lot by going yeah. on missions. <laughs> what, one thing that, that Brad and the other member in that threesome did not miss out on was the movie uh, Basic Instinct. <laughs> they went and saw Basic Instinct in the theater in Matsue, Japan, and I oh thought, they are going to hell. <laughs> and then what, what, when you confessed it to the mission president, <laughs> right? and then you felt guilty, and you told the mission president, you, you saw the movie Basic Instinct, he said, what kind of movie is that? And you said, it's a Michael Douglas movie. <laughs> <laughs> and that was all the explanation that... Uh... Anyway, the mission president was a Japanese guy, and there was no second question after that. He thought he had misunderstood something, so he just 
Yeah. It was the, the best deflection I could have done. logging <laughs> in and, and getting on here totally derailed this, whatever conversation. Oh, no, no, no. We were transitioning. So you actually made a really hard transition that Tom was having an issue with into a much softer transition, which Tom probably likes a little bit better. <laughs> I'm the only one that has a problem with it. <laughs> All right. So I am going to get this going here. Are we supposed to be hearing something? Are you not hearing it? <laughs> I don't know. Damn Am it, I the it. only one not hearing no, it? No, I hear nothing. Uh, I did it again. Okay. Um, wait, wait, wait. Go back because I liked you just dancing to I will, but, but now you'll be able to hear what I'm dancing to. Oh, all right. Because I forgot to push the share. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Oh, see, that's why I said, yeah, you, we are. Because we're about to witness the strength. Oh, Great to see you the dab. All right, so let me, let me start um, by having you guys state your name again. So I got Elder Pranger. Elder Pranger, yeah. And Elder Stay. Elder Stay. Okay. So um, so we met like maybe a month back or so at the mall, and um, I approached you guys about talking sometime. So here we are. Yeah. Hey, can, can you pause and, um, like I, like I, Yeah. Quick little question about this. One, uh, do the elders know that they're being videotaped and recorded? Does anyone know? Because I, I, I was curious about that through the whole thing. Do they know? Are they aware? Is this a setup? Anyone? It seems like they know. Like, they look at the camera and he's like, can I put the Book of Mormon right here so you can see it? Seems oh, really? that's true. Yeah, there is that one part. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 think they, I think they know. It's re- the camera's right in front of their face. Like, even if it was a crappy or even if it was a hidden camera, I think it'd be noticeable. Mm-hmm. you think they know but how do you know that they know Ooh, that's very meta because that's that question gets addressed in this clip i just have faith that they do <laughs> okay is that not an appropriate way of coming that's to knowledge good. delaney is that what you're saying um that you stopped no, this good. video is this not triggering for anyone else like seeing and being yes. like oh my gosh that was me like I was that guy right there on the left. Well, and I, and what's ironic about this is I mentioned Brady before that I, like just last week I had uh, missionaries coming over to my house for meeting number three, and so watching this clip was giving me flashbacks. Like, oh my gosh, it's such a mirror image of what the elders were coming over to my house, and now yeah. I'm doing the same thing that this guy with the videotape is doing. It's weird. You were not doing the same thing. The last meeting number three, I was. Yes, I was. Really? Oh, you, yeah. you were trying to put these street epistemology tactics into practice? Well, <laughs> I don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not quite the tactician with the, <laughs> with the skills. But no, I, I did because they, they, they started throwing threats and ultimatums down. I'm like, all right, let's take the gloves off. Let's, let's talk about, let's get down into it and uh, see who, who uh, plays chicken first and says, where's the white flag? All right, I'm done. And it wasn't me. So, yeah. Interesting. So yeah. with these two guys, I will say, as I watched it before, I ended up labeling them the good cop and the board cop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, Elder Stay, he starts, he folds his arms, and then it, that's his permanent position for quite some time. So, yeah. Yep, board cop right yep. there. <laughs> yeah, I think he's just annoyed. I think they both get annoyed. Oh, yeah. Prager oh. kind of does a better job of uh, sitting with it, with his annoyance. Because you – 
I mean, just you look at, at that expression on his face right now. He's hopeful. He thinks we met this yep. guy a month ago. Yep. We had a really good feeling about him, yep. but um, we never heard from him. And then he called us and he wants, he wants to meet with us. Awesome. Not That's only that, but we have the truth on our side, the yes. spirit on our side, and God's on our side. The yeah. whole trinity of conversion will just throw at him and yeah. It's a, it's yeah. So I, I, think, I think the missionaries, you know, the, the question that you asked was, are they aware of what's going on? I think in a sense they are. They know it's being recorded, I think. But do they know that this guy's actually trying to create doxastic openness within their own minds? <laughs> I don't think they think that. I think they think that's our role. Yeah, I, think, yeah. I think they think this guy is a sincere seeker. Yeah, Brady? Yeah, exactly. I, I think from the questions he's asking, too, they, he misses a couple of opportunities in the questions that he asks. Yeah. But I, I just think that, yeah, they're, they don't know that he's recording this to put it up on the Internet and question their epistemology. Probably, yeah. Yeah. All right. We ready to go? Here we go. said um, earlier, like I like to talk with people about their beliefs. And um, typically the way I like to start the interviews is by the, the what question. So just like telling me like what you believe in. And then from there, we can go into like why and then how. Okay. So that's yeah. typically like how I informally format the, yeah. the interviews. So maybe you do want to start there with yeah. what, just a what question, what you guys yeah. believe in. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's just a very camera. basic and simple answer of what we believe in is that we believe that there is a prophet who is called in these days, a modern-day prophet, to help lead and guide our church towards, well, the second coming. Okay. And they teach us... So, I, is, that, is that how missionaries lead off these days? Because, <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, that, that wasn't how we did it back in 90... You know, 91, 92, 93, when I was a missionary. We didn't start with prophets. Well, yeah, the pro- no, that's the that's the new thing. That's preach my gospel. Okay, preach my gospel. Oh, the first first lesson is all it's all about prophets. You start with Moses. That's why he brings up Moses, like all all the stuff he's doing. Preach my gospel is all about this cycle of like um, apostasy and restoration. Right? It's mm-hmm. like creating this cycle and just showing that Joseph Smith is just another one in that line mm-hmm. of apostasy and restoration. That's the whole first first discussion though, or okay. lesson. So when I listened to this, I did rate them seven and a half out of 10 for <laughs> introducing gospel topics, but there was a three point deduction for artistic delivery. <laughs> artistic <laughs> delivery. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I think he was a little surprised. I, I, now I'm doing the mind reading. I'm doing the negative thought pattern where I'm trying to interpret what they're thinking. But um, when this guy who's interviewing said, this is how I like to start my interviews. Yeah. I saw this look of kind of deer in the headlight, like, wait a minute, what? You're interviewing yeah. us? We're here to preach the gospel to you. He's like, what? So I think they're... I, I, I'm not saying they don't deserve the three-point deduction, Brad. I'm just saying that, that maybe they were a little off-kilter. Well, honestly, though, one of the things that stood out to me was he doesn't have a very clear-cut answer to what do you believe. Like, as right. a, what do you believe? And I was thinking through it, and I'm like, as a member of the church, if somebody asked me directly, what do I believe, would I start with prophets and joseph smith or would i start with jesus or like where where do i start to differentiate myself i don't know if that's really clear cut 
yeah. for performance in, in that way, being directly asked that because it doesn't happen very often. And, and I think for any um, street epistemologists or would-be street epistemologists out there, you, you might think that you're talking to two individual young men in white shirts and black name tags, but you're not. You're talking to an institution. So asking the question, what do you believe personally? We want to talk about your personal beliefs. Where does he go? He goes right to the missionary discussions. He's like, this is what I've tra- been trained to say as I'm teaching you in this. You know, so he's not even really an individual at in, in, in this case. It's yeah. that filter. It's like, how do I take yeah. wherever they're at to my lesson that I want to teach? Right. It's like, um, you know, all the canned answers they've learned in the MTC. Yeah that's what's coming through. That's what's coming through the filter. Every time we've had missionaries over, it's the very same. And I just want to be like, just, just have a discussion. Just have a conversation. There's no pressure. Like just talk like two people. But we weren't like, at least when I went through the mission training center, we weren't trained to have conversations, free flowing conversations with people. We were trained (laughs) to read a script and have the person on the other side provide the right answer that leads you to the next thing to say. And yeah. not not just that, but missionaries always have an agenda. Yeah, yeah. There's and always for, that agenda. To lower those lower, lower those walls to just have a heart to heart conversation. It, as as far as a missionary goes, it feels like you're undermining your productivity and your goals. Right. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay, so we're just going to talk. So we're wasting valuable time that we could be bringing souls to Christ. Then right. Like what what? Yeah. Yeah. So, so anything that, anything that the, the person on the other side of the conversation says that is off script from the way that you've been trained, you're scrambling to try and find something and put it back on track, put it back on the track of this conversation, the way, way that it's supposed to be the, the things that I'm supposed to hit before I go on to this and this and this and this kind of thing. So, well, let's be honest, they're 18 years old. What kind yeah. of life experience do they have off script to even engage in very deep conversations. I don't yeah. know, but that's an unfortunate that's hairline for Elder Prager at 18 years old. It was nothing for me. Like as far as yeah. real life experience that could actually help people with marital problems, like the amount of marital advice I gave, oh man, I'm not sure what I said, but I'm sure I messed up a couple of people. Oh mind. yeah, of course. I mean, the best thing you can do is say, well, I had a friend that their parents were divorced <laughs> and he seemed to be normal. <laughs> like, yeah. Thanks guy. Yeah. I have a question. This idea of you, of you're speaking to an institution, not a person. Well, having not gone on a mission, I didn't experience this firsthand, but how much did it make a difference that you didn't have your first name anymore? They took your name from you and gave you a title and, and you were the title. Yeah. Did that have a bearing on the way that these guys might be responding? Consciously? No. Subconsciously? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, honestly, like looking back at it now, knowing what I know, that completely is giving away my identity and my power, right. essentially, in that way. And, and plus, I, everybody else thinks you're weird. <laughs> yeah, and and I might even challenge that a little bit, Brady. The the unconscious, or uh, you know, is it consciously? You said no. I I think there is a degree of consciousness where, if 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 you had the experience like I had on my mission where some missionaries would call you by your first name and you feel like, Oh my gosh, they, they are ruining everything. What are you doing? 
you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to do that. And, and then, you know, like some mission, like I became this kind of missionary later in my mission <laughs> where, where I would kind of like stick the needle in to make you feel uncomfortable. But I was that missionary at the beginning. It was like, no, 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 no. I'm elder Osland. Don't yeah. Cause it, it was a title that you earned or achieved, yes. Right. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I, I absolutely agree on that. And I remember feeling that people yeah. would ask me my first name and I'd be like, I'm not supposed to. Yeah. And I'd look at my companion and I'd be like, oh, we don't do that. And it's super awkward, but like you don't give it away. It's how weird. And, and Peter, that's, that's just one of many, many, many yeah. Yeah. Um, props that you wear or use to assume the role of a Mormon missionary, which you just step into character for two years. And you're this completely. What's that? You said the role and it's the mantle. The mantle. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the mantle. Right, yeah. Yeah, it is the mantle. It's greater than the intellect. It, oh, it is great. Unless you go to a movie theater. Yeah. <laughs> and then right. see some badge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Nice. All right. How families can be together forever and where we are going after this life and where we came from. Okay. We believe that that prophet is the same sort of um, called, as it were, of the ancient prophets, that God has always called prophets to so share his word. So you can see him like, trying to remember his script right now. To today. Yeah. Or was he, he has given them a priesthood prophet. power. So the, what the priesthood... Was that? Board cop. Look Maybe at he was just waiting for the spirit to prompt him what to say next. You never think of that. I don't point. know. That was a pretty, it was a pretty smooth handoff. Like it, like they, they'd practiced, I'm going to say it to this point, And then you say it to that point. And then when he started stumbling, it kind of like looked like he was going to give him the line line. <laughs> I would say the Power spirit's is, not that is authority to act in God's name. Moses had it. It's how he ended up parting the Red Sea is through the authority of God. He was able to part it. And that is what we like to call the priesthood power. And the prophet, the prophets have that power, and are able to use that power to seek revelation for the church and where and what we should do. Hmm. Okay. Uh, anything else you guys want to add to any any of that? Would you say that that kind of sums up your beliefs? Yeah. Okay. So you said that you believe that there's a prophet who's been called to lead and guide the church, um, and to teach us how families can be forever. Um, to how families can be together forever, mm-hmm. uh, where we're going after we die and where we came from, yeah. um, that this prophet is in line with former prophets mm-hmm. and that um, he acts in God's name, meaning that he has the priesthood. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so tell me about why, why do you believe this? So everyone has to come like to their own knowledge, obviously. Like every single person has come to know their own thing, their own way. And the reason why we have came to believe it, let me actually grab it. So Peter texted this while we were watching this, but it's a, it's a good thing to point out that the street epistemologist, it, you know, he's, he's uh, modeling active listening. He's repeating back to them what they said, made sure that he got it right. But I, that, that's him playing his role as the street epistemology missionary, you know, like here's the step that I have to do in this case, I'm going to repeat it back to you. But I think, I, I don't know where you go with something like this as a street apologist, a street epistemologist thinking from their perspective, because I, I don't know how to isolate any one of those beliefs to even challenge how they have come to know it. And, you know, so he, he, 
He hears it. He restates it back. Then he asks them, why do you know these things? Was that his question? Why do you know these things? How did, how did you come to know these things? I can't remember what his question was. I think it was, it was something like that. And he just goes on with the next part of his script and like, oh, great. Here's an opportunity for me to bring out the Book of Mormon, which well, is always the crutch when you don't know how to answer a question. Let's, let's turn to a scripture. <laughs> but remember, so restating, it, it's like what Peter was saying. That is an element of showing that you're listening, that you're hearing them, and that you're making sure that you're understanding them properly. That's what sure. happened. Yeah. I even remember some of these skills taught when you're on a mission. You're supposed yeah. to you know, understand them and then restate and then build a relationship of trust because if they know that you're understanding them. Yeah. So the crazy thing about that is going to the scriptures as the, the archive of knowledge and, and they, they haven't established even that the scriptures are a legitimate archive of knowledge. Because so, that's so, common knowledge. Everyone knows. The scriptures is the arbiter of truth. Everyone knows. Right, especially the unique scripture that only Mormons have. <laughs> the Book of Mormon, yeah, right. And, and and so there's a weird thing where, where I kind of died a little bit inside because, shoot, I did that all the time. I mean, you know, you, you go there, you have them read the scripture, and, uh, you know, look from the outside, looking through the fishbowl here. You cut, you're cutting up, Brad. Yeah, you're cutting up. I didn't catch Okay, let me close there. it. All right, well, I'm, I'm going to continue with this, and then we can catch your, your thought later, Brad. I gave you a copy of it, mm-hmm. but it is the Book of Mormon. Okay. I'm just kind of put that up there. <laughs> but okay, okay, hang on, hang on. The Book of Mormon. That I do think that that was an indication that they know they're being videoed, right? Because I mean, why would they frame yeah. the Book of Mormon like? Argh. So all right, yeah. and and maybe that he knew that it was going to go on social media, so he's like, oh look, how many eyeballs are going to see this right. Book of Mormon? Right. Wouldn't it have been funny if instead of pulling one book out, he brought like a box and just like and had like a million Book of Mormons in there? <laughs> and just, the, I think he, I think he actually pulls out a stack later. Does, Does he? he? Yeah. I mean, spoiler alert. But yeah. It is what really sets us apart. It allows us. We can pray about this book, and if we are seeking with an honest heart and really wanting to know and acting on that answer then God will reveal an answer onto us on why we are doing something. Mm-hmm. And that is why I'm here. Because mm-hmm. God told me, look, this is true. You need to go and do it. Mm-hmm. And so, here I am. So God told second. you this is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I just figured out why these things are so awkward. Like, the last couple of weeks, we've sort of had this idea that these videos are hard to watch. And I get it there's three people in a room and none of them are talking to each other. It's roles talking mm-hmm. to other roles. Nobody's actually talking to each other. Yep. That's yep. Really Amen. hard to watch. <laughs> it is but because there's no connections being made. Yeah, right. exactly right. Yeah. The image that I had when you said that were, were like gears that are turning that are expecting to be interlocking with other teeth of other gears, but they're not, they're just like off in space. Like these gears that are free, free turning. They think that they're making a connection. They're not making a connection. And I, I, I remember like, I didn't teach a lot of people in Japan. Um, it, it was, it was few and far between when we would actually be able to sit down and talk with somebody. But I do remember when I would get a sense of, Oh, this isn't going anywhere. And kind of like start looking at my watch. When can this be over? When can I be out of absolutely doing this, that, that just like, 
okay, well, I'm going to go through the motions. I'm going to be here. Who knows? Maybe the spirit will jump in and touch this guy, uh, but I'm not feeling it right now. And yeah, just that kind of disengaged. We're seeing elder, is it stay straight in the back? Yeah, elder stay. Yeah. Well, and, and, and if this uh, if this interview guy, if he would have even just spent, I don't know, three to five minutes just saying, tell me about where you guys are from, you know, how right. many siblings you got? Yeah. Do you guys, did you have any hobbies before you came out? Because I mean, not to pat myself on my on my own back, but that's what I did with the missionaries that came over here. I tried to lower at least the walls a little bit. Yeah. I'm not going to get them down, but if you can lower them a little bit, even during the conversation, like, yeah, you know, back where you were from Houston, you remember when this, blah, blah, blah. You can make connections that way. That yeah. made me. It was still a long shot, but yeah. <laughs> and and I, I wish that in follow-up to this uh, statement, that the Lord told him to go on a mission. I wish he would ask more questions about that. Like, what was that like? How did he tell you? Did you hear a physical voice? Oh, come on. (laughs) You know, because he's got it. I I would think that a street epistemologist really needs to, to center in on one belief instead of just playing like shotgun, all these things that are belief vomit that keep coming all over him. Pick one and say, how, how can you be so sure that that is what you think that it is? And like, you don't have to get them to a point where they don't, they're like, I'm not sure. It's just like, I I just want to make sure that I know how sure you are. Okay. I've heard it. All right. Now let's move on to the next one. The spirit testified to him. Yeah. And he can hone in on what does the spirit mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll just say anything you want to add to that. For me, I didn't know always if this church was true. It was um, a few years ago I decided I had better figure that out for myself because it was the course I wanted to pursue for the rest of my life, or it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was one or the end. This church is either true or it isn't. And so I sat down and I prayed to God, and I read the Book of Mormon, and by the power of the Holy Ghost, he manifested the truth of this church and of the Book of Mormon to me. Say it again, by, by the what? By the power of the Holy Ghost. Okay. He manifested the truth. Oh, that's and classic plagiarism. Actually, the scripture that goes along perfectly with that from the book of Mormon. Okay. Um, and it kind of coincides with the scripture from the New Testament, James 1, 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Okay. And so this scripture is... You know, I think... Um, I, don't, I don't think I'm the only one that's like this, but I, I, I remember how... Like I was one of those guys in, in classes when they're like, turn to the scriptures. This I wanted to be the first one that, that got the scriptures. Like, I know what scripture it is. I know the thing is. And I, so I read that into these guys. Where it's, like, it's kind of like this other scripture, you know, James 1.5. Because everybody knows James 1.5, right? You know, like James 1.5. <laughs> gotcha. and, and it's kind of like I, I, I would do that and kind of like look around to is my dad or my leaders or whoever there, are they going to give me a Scooby snack? Are they going to go, good one, you knew James 1-5. That's that a boy. That's my boy right there. Or it's, even, that, or it's even better when it's like, oh, do you not know what it is? Well, guess what? I've got it pretty much. Memorized. I've got it. I've got it here. Don't We don't even look it up. Let me but, impress you with my scriptorian like, skills. See and see, and I can go to the Bible, so I can I can hop from yeah. the Book of Mormon to the Bible with no problem at all and show how consistent they are. Brady, you're on, you're on mute, Brady. Oh, okay. I know. Oh, oh, okay. You were just making making faces. I see. <laughs> I'm just like, wow. Yeah. So awesome. Wow. Yeah. So wise. Yeah. 
So, so I, I, and I also, I, I would think as a missionary that if I read from the scriptures, then like God that's in the scriptures will come through my body, through my lungs, out my mouth, and they will feel the power of God just because I'm reading the scriptures and I'm going to be the vehicle through which the spirit operates and touches these people. And so the scriptures are really, really important in this. Did, did you guys think that? Uh, I was feeling it, bro. Yes, okay. I was. I was. A, yes, I was an instrument or a vessel of God. Yes. And if you repeat his scriptures, if you have them memorized, then you don't even have to do any work because you're just conveying the word of God and smacking them in the face and the spirits untarnished as it hits them. I, I really believed that there was like some magical purity in those words. And, and like, um, yeah, I could summarize it right now just in normal English that everybody understands, but I don't want to take that kind of shortcut. Let me get to the real powerful yep. stuff here with the actual words. Kind of, Let's uh, not mingle it with men. Let's mingle yeah. it with scripture. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Moroni, it's chapter 10. It's verses 3 through 5. It's at the very end of the book of Mormon. It says, Behold, I would exhort you that when ye shall read these things, Why does that make any it difference? be wisdom in God that ye should read them that you would remember how merciful the Lord hath been unto the children of men, from the creation of Adam even down until the time that ye shall receive these things, and ponder it in your hearts. And when ye shall receive these things, I would exhort you that ye would ask, your, ask God, the Eternal Father, in the name of Christ, if these things are not true. And if ye shall ask with a sincere heart, with real intent, having faith in Christ, he will manifest the truth of it unto you by the power of the Holy Ghost. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, you may know the truth of all things. Even God. So that was kind of why. The other missionary almost fell asleep. No, I loved how I loved I loved the nod, like the emphatic yes, he did it. Yeah, he made it all the way through. Yeah, like really trying to make this guy feel it. Use the wording of manifest of the power of the Holy Ghost onto you. Mm-hmm. It's because we believe that when you pray, the Holy Ghost will come upon you and give you like a peaceful feeling mm-hmm. and allow you to know what is true and what is right. Okay. Um, so why do you, why do you believe that? Is it because you read it in the book of Mormon? Because, so I've been to other churches and like, I, I was trying to like figure out what church would fit me. Mm-hmm. And then Whatever. as I was told, Bullshit, is that liar. to read the book of Mormon <laughs> and pray about it. And so I read the book of Mormon. I prayed about it. And that's why I. Okay. Why I'm here. So the the basis of why you believe Mormonism to be true is because you read the Book of Mormon and you prayed about it and you re- you feel like you received an answer from God. Yeah, that's a good reason. Basically, everything that we have told you, like, weighs on this book. <laughs> if anything is not true, or. I'm trying to figure out how to phrase that. It's not coming out right, though. Yeah, be but careful what you say. All here. things that we tell you can be answered in this book. Yeah. All speculation on the church, whether Joseph Smith was actually a prophet, whether the priesthood has been restored, whether God continues to speak to his children, all of those questions weigh on the Book of Mormon. Because if it's not true, then none of it is. There it and is. So that oh, is why we emphasize so strongly you, that people need to read the Book of Mormon guys and to pray about it. Okay. So the foundation for... Mormonism being true is the Book of Mormon, 
And the way you know that the Book of Mormon is true is because you prayed about it and God revealed it to you that it's true. <laughs> so I'm interested in hearing about this experience of you praying and feeling like you received an answer from God. Can you tell me about that experience? What, yeah. do you, what, what, what exactly are we talking about here? So the Holy Ghost manifests an answer in a way that is very personal to you. And so when I was kneeling down to pray, I actually came out on my mission not knowing 100% if the church was true. I was just told that I had to serve a mission. And so I was like, okay, I'll serve a mission. So I came out here and I started serving and I was reading the Book of Mormon. I was like, I've got to pray about this. So I knelt down and I prayed and it was a really, really funny answer. I was like, Heavenly Father, is this book true? And instantly it was like, Right here, like just a yes. You wouldn't be out here. If, if Hang you, on, I have a question. That's yeah. hilarious. Wait, so, let's, let's just pause for laughter. <laughs> that's so, that's so funny. So did he? Uh, did he go for this answer of of the mission and the truthfulness before or after he went to all those other churches? <laughs> after, of course. Right. Yeah, he didn't no, go to I all these other churches other while he was on his mission, Peter. Right? I mean. <laughs> I don't understand why people think that's a good argument. That's just like uh, Hollywood. People don't. I've read, a, I've read a few good books and been to a few good universities or whatever he said. Yeah. It's like, well, oh, good for you, but <laughs> it doesn't mean anything if you didn't take anything well, away he, from it. He has, to, he has to be overly confident and say, listen, you know, I, I'm essentially a convert myself. You know, I, I and so did the other elder. Uh, Captain Speechless over here. The, the, <laughs> the fact that he says, you know, both of them said we're basically converts. Like I went to other churches, I, you know. And, we're just like you, man. Yeah, and, and so, so you I, can just be, you can be just like us someday. If, if, if we're, we're, we're just, just like you. If you just trusted us a little bit, you would know. I mean, we covered all the bases for you. So yeah. you're welcome. So come on over. And yeah. they probably get, you guys can, tell me if this is true. You probably get a lot of people telling you like you, you grew up in the church. You don't know anything outside of the religion you were born into. So how am I supposed to trust you that this is? Oh, because even if that's, even if that's true, you, you can read books, go to other churches, apparently yeah. you guys did. Or if you have friends from other faiths, like I, I even have black friends. I have a friend who's gay. So you already have a broad scope of the world. Even You're living you in the world. In the church. Like, yeah, it's like, okay, yeah, I was raised in the church. Well, fine, don't hold that against me because guess what? I've got a gay friend and I've got a black friend. And, you know, I've, I've been to other churches. So, dude, I've got it covered. You're fine. So what is going through these guys' head right now when they're, when they're reading James 1.5, they're reading the scriptures of Moroni, they're testifying this stuff, and the guy isn't reacting? Like when you're, when you're raised with this stuff from this high and you're, it's repeated over and over and has this miraculous sense. But then when you present it the first time to somebody else and they don't react, what is going through their heads? Can, can, can we put a pin in that? Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to become more clear the, the further we go on watching this. It's a good question though. Yeah. 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 That, that, that's, that's a great question. And I think we're able to see when this thing shifts and, <laughs> and, and, and they go, Oh, this guy's not really interested. And I, I think they start getting pissed. Yeah, it's kind oh, of like a, it, this is this whole thing's a setup. Yeah, yeah, and and so they start doing this passive aggressive. Um, well, if you're really serious and you really want to know, then you'll find out. But that's what the, so, that's so it's when, super dismissive. Yeah, Captain uh, Captain Speechless over there puts his hand folds his arms again. It's like the perfect visual yeah. when he's had enough. Yeah, yeah, yep. 
right. I think it was true. I was like, okay, I I know what is what is going on. I know what I'm doing out here, and I know why. Mm-hmm. And then I felt a very peaceful feeling, and I knew that I needed to stay out. Okay. So you prayed, and you got. When you say you got a yes, are, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about like an audible yes? What's the nature of this yes that you, you received? I would definitely say it was like, you know that voice inside of your head that you've got? Mm-hmm. It was like the most, it was like that voice except a different sound. <laughs> or It wasn't your own thought. Yeah, it wasn't my own thought. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like being schizophrenic. Um, how, do you, <laughs> how do you know that it wasn't your own thought? It just didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like it was my own thought. How do we distinguish between something being your own thought and something being the Holy Ghost? Because of the peace that it can bring. Okay. Peace. Hmm. Is, is it possible for somebody to experience a sense of peace and yet it not be because of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost? All good things come from God. Mm-hmm. So... In all honesty, no. I'm just wondering if um, feeling a sense of peace. I hate that answer. That well, all good things come from God, and so everybody gets a little bit of truth. No, does God want His children to know the truth or not? Why? I. It's just such a cop out for why people. He's quoting a scripture. Emotion. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I. But I also think he's starting to see. Oh, this guy wants to bash us. I'm not going to put yeah, the club in his hand. I don't know if the, I don't know if the curtain's been lifted quite yet. I, I feel like at this point, because that question's a great question. Like how how can you discern the spirit from other good feelings? And, mm-hmm. and <laughs> but the thing is, is these guys are Mormon missionaries. Like what, what are they going to say? They, oh yeah, you're right. It's a totally ambiguous feeling. I, I didn't. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I, I I watched the Mr. Rogers documentary and I had just the same. Yes. Oh crap. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. You're derailing me now with the Mr. Rogers documentary. It was awesome. I watched it last night. Oh, so good. So good. Um, okay. With, with, uh, with these guys, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Um, I don't think they're used to this line of questioning coming from a prospective investigator. No missionaries you know, the, are. Yeah. The, right. the kinds of questions that he's asking them, they're not prepared for. And, yeah. and it, it's, it's pretty clear. I think that it's, it's, argumentative it's it's it, it, it's like super analytical um it that this guy isn't really sincerely interested in finding this stuff out for himself he's more interested in challenging them and quizzing them on how did how can they be sure how did how right. do you really know and i think i think the reason that elder prager gave that stupid answer everything kind of everything good comes from god so basically no it's not possible that something <laughs> so that so they're not they're not even equipped to to even engage in that conversation though no no i mean you, you look at prager who who said who disclosed he came on his mission before he even knew the church was true he said yeah, that whatever yeah. Right. He, yeah. But but that's because it was uh, all he knew was other Mormons that said, "Hey, right. the mission's good for you, son." So yeah. he went, and so now he he's never really engaged in in the question of 
is there a God that thinks another religion's greater than mine? He's never even thought about that, let alone if there is a God or not. And so now when he's getting these questions, he's so not equipped to handle that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's the wrong answer. He just gave, he just, <laughs> I, I, I think if you get 10 missionaries uh, in, in a room and ask them that question, you're not going to get this answer 10 times. I, I no, think. Yeah. I uh, do want to say that on my mission, I taught a family that lived behind me that were atheists. Yeah. And they were asking my companion and I all these questions, but my companion like wrote fantasy novels, right? Yeah. That, that's what he loved to do. And so, we would speculate on all this stuff with these atheists that mm. were really just like drilling us, but mm. we could always spin it to where it felt like it was still true for us. And we had an mm. answer for everything. So there is kind of a challenge to that too. I don't think yeah. the missionaries are quite clued in yet, but captain speechless is, is questioning. You can look at his eyes. He's questioning. <laughs> oh no. See, I, yeah. The way I read him is that he's pissed that he, he's, he's like, where, where are my shoes? I'm going to dust these things off as soon as we get out of this guy's presence. That's how I interpret him. But <laughs> right. I don't think either of these guys are writing fantasy novels. By the way. Well, but I also think speechless <laughs> is, uh, is the smartest one because he's not actually answer, trying to answer these impossible questions. Yeah. Well, he's also the junior companion. He is. He is. Yes. He is absolutely. Yes. Always verifies that something is true. And so is, is it possible for somebody to, um, be praying about something and in praying about it, they get a sense of peace. Is it possible for that to happen? And yet the thing they pray about not be true. If that is up to their current knowledge, because God will only give you something if it is up to your current knowledge. Mm -hmm. So let's say um, it's it's like learning math. Uh, You can't go and do calculus without first learning simple addition, multiplication, all of those and gradually working your way up. And so it might be true to your current knowledge. Okay. To, you know, that's just such an arrogant way of like, <laughs> we, we know so much more than normal people do. So we don't expect that much from, from you. And, and God's not going to give you more than you can handle. <laughs> like, he, like we're, we're, we've, we've got a lot. Yeah, like I just hate learning it. the eternal truths of the of the universe. Yeah, yeah that's just like it's like two plus two equals four, man. Yeah. On, on one argument, it's simple. The gospel is simple, and everyone can have it mm-hmm. and, and hear of God's message and feel the Spirit. But on the other hand, if you don't, you were either too stupid or not tuned in to the Spirit, or you were sinning and living. I can't remember what these guys say, but you know, living in a oh later on yeah when they're saying why why would somebody get yeah not if if yeah i i I think i think part of the problem here as well is that the street epistemologist starts going off on these abstract what ifs that the missionaries really aren't prepared for and just they don't have any good answers and and they're not interested in playing the game that the street is is trying to play play it a little bit but yeah. Yeah. What? But what if it wasn't true? And they're like, "It's true." But it is true. Well, yeah, I know. Why, what if it is? And we're telling that's, you, it is. that's the problem. Is he's asking these questions that these guys are are ready to answer yeah, properly. Yeah. I mean, they might as well just be saying because. Yeah. yeah. So is it tr- is it possible that someone could pray and not get an answer that leads to the Mormon faith being true? No. 
It's not. Yeah. Not well, on, only if they haven't learned everything that they need um, before they can accept that the church is true, because God gives people line upon line, precept upon precept, and maybe they're just not there yet. That's that's the answer here, right? Yeah. What if the, the knowledge that they received, um, well, not, let me not put it that way. What if the thing they were praying about that they felt a sense of peace about, what if it contradicted um, something uh, in Mormonism? Would that still be something that... <laughs> His reaction was contradict something in Mormonism. What? So that's a very interesting question. I'm actually going to open up to a scripture in the book of Mormon. If you don't, so oh, this, is, Laban. Awesome. Oh, this no. is Laban. This is awesome. Yeah. I can't believe he goes here. I know. He's like, he's like, I'm going to show what a great scriptorium I am. Because right. so, yeah, here it is. Here it is. This is at the very beginning of the book of Mormon. This is Nephi. Um, he's the very first, a real person you get to know in the Book of Mormon and understand who real he is. And this is taking place in Jerusalem at this time. And he's going back to get um, the brass plates, which are filled with his genealogy, and the person who has them is very protective of them, doesn't want to give them up. In fact, he's a ruler over the city, or one of the rulers. His name is Laban. Okay. And in this, there's a few scriptures okay. I'm going to read here says, And it came to pass that I was constrained by the Spirit that I should kill Laban. But I said in my heart, Never at any time have I shed the blood of man. And I shrunk and would that I might not slay him. And the Spirit said unto me again, Behold, the Lord hath delivered him into thy hands. Yea, and I also knew that he had sought to take away mine own life. Yea, and he would not hearken unto the commandments of the Lord. And he also had taken away our property. And then it says, right in another verse, Behold, the Lord slayeth the wicked to bring forth his righteous purposes. It is better that one man should perish than that a nation should dwindle and perish in unbelief. So if we look at <laughs> so it, this is where the showing someone freaks out. that's a commandment not to kill. Mm-hmm. But if the Spirit is strongly prompting you to do something... <laughs> that you feel like is right and you should do it now should you seek for the counsel of others yes should you seek for ask people no but uh, do you think this could be right this is what i've been feeling lately and i'm not sure if 100 percent i think you can go to your executive leaders in the church known as pat bishops which is an equivalent to a pastor, and they can help you understand the feeling of what you're feeling. Okay. So the question I asked was, if you're if somebody is praying about something and they feel a sense of what peace, the did I just but hear the thing they're praying about end up not being true, end up being contradictory to, to Mormon, Mormon beliefs. Let's say, let's say a Muslim was praying about Islam, as an example. Um, they kneel down, they pray, and ask Allah to reveal whether or not uh, Muhammad is a true prophet um, to bring the once and for all truth of, of God to humanity, um, and they feel a sense of peace. Um, now, if if this belief is true, it necessarily entails that Mormonism is false. Um, otherwise, Muhammad is not the once and for all prophet. But if they feel a sense of peace about it, I just love looking at their face. They're just like, "What the hell is this guy saying? 
we we just shared with him this awesome Laban story, and he didn't even he didn't bite, he didn't even nibble it. What is what? You talk about Muhammad? What? The ADD kicks in, and they're like. They, they see his mouth moving, but in their minds, they're like, I have no idea what this yeah, is. Yeah, it's the yeah. Charlie Brown teacher. Wah, wah, wah. Well, but, they, but the interviewer, did, he did a complete, I mean, he missed the ball. Like, right. why, is he, why is he sticking with the, if they pray, if someone in the Muslim faith pray? Like, dude, he, he lobbed you the best softball ever. Right. He just the told Holy you, Yeah, he, the Holy Grail. He, he just <laughs> gave you the ball on a tee and saying, guess what? There's a, there's a Mormon loophole of murder here. <laughs> right. You can, you can, I'm just telling you that the spirit prompted a guy in our scriptures to kill someone. You're not going to do anything with that. Yeah. I was going to like praise him. Not, Oh gosh, wrong word. Uh, give him props, <laughs> give him props for staying on target because you're not supposed to jump at something that just comes up. I don't know. Conversations. I, how do you not? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I would, I would, I would definitely jump at this one, especially oh gosh, because of yeah. the way that the missionary elder Prager is uh, flailing around as he's trying to give a justification. And, and it's, it's almost like he recognizes that what he's saying doesn't really make a lot of sense because yeah, like, oh, if you're, if, if the spirit is telling you to do something, even though you know you're not supposed to do it, but if the spirit is telling you to do it, then you need to do it, even if it's wrong. In even if it's ways. murder. Even if it's murder. <laughs> but if you feel it really strong, but, but you should consult with your leaders. Yeah. You should consult with your leaders on this. I mean, Nephi didn't. He just took out the sword and cut the guy's head off. I'll show but you. But he didn't have to either because, yeah. Yeah, but um, we, we should go to our – yeah. I mean, there's just so much – Consult with leaders is an interesting angle, too, because your personal revelation is right, right up until it contradicts personal revelation from a leader above you. And and, but a street epistemologist could, I think, okay, well, then in this case, if you were praying and and you were getting the message um, to to kill someone, how would you know that that's the right message? Like, how would you know? Because, I mean, that's always the question to come back to. Right. I kind of back to Laney on this, too, in that. If he went down that direction, I think it's just something not core enough to what the missionaries believe to where they couldn't just shelf that later, right? Where he's, he's going for, how do you know that this is true? Yeah. And so he's staying on that target line instead of going down the distraction. So I'm, I'm on that camp with it a little bit. I'm, I'm, not, it, but I'm from, not in that camp. In that same vein, passing up the Holy Grail. Is I, I don't know if I could have done it, so I don't know if props or, bring, or missed opportunity. Yeah, he brings up Islam as a counterexample, but for feelings of peace, like why not bring up suicide bombs as the counterexample for? Yeah, you know, I, I I think I could be wrong. I'm mind reading here. I think this is part of that street epistemology script that that you bring up. Um, an example where if, if this person follows the same technique that you did and he gets his answer, that's true, but both can't be true. You can't have a Muslim that got a good feeling that said that his religion is the one and only true religion because then Mormonism wouldn't be the one and only true religion. So it can't just be praying and getting a good feeling. Right guys. Right, right, right guys. I think that's where he's trying to steer it on his script, but I do think he's missing I have like eight mental gymnastics routines that could get me around. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. All right. 
does that mean that what that the the thing that we're praying about is true? Oh. Can you rephrase that? Like, yeah, sure. So imagine a scenario where you later, have a Muslim, and you brought up Muslim kneeling down to pray, wanting to know if Islam is true. Okay. Wanting to know if Muhammad is the once and for all prophet come to bring God's revelation to man. And he prays about it and he gets this sense of peace. Does that therefore mean that Islam is true to the exclusion of Mormonism? Okay, I see where you're going. So, just like a quick question to answer your question. Mm-hmm. Does this person know about Mormonism at all? Um, Love this. Why is that relevant? Because we believe that once someone knows, they cannot be led astray. Mm-hmm. And so, if you are, if you know that the church is hold true, up, hold up, hold up, then you will not get that sense of peace. What the hell did he just say? Did he say that once you know it's true, you can't be led astray? Uh-huh. Yeah. Did, did he superimpose like that? What was it? The if the prophet can't lead the church astray? Is that what he was thinking? Because there is there is no. What, where the hell did he get that? Like people don't leave the church? Is that what he's saying? Well, there's no evidence that prophets have led us astray, Tom. Well, yeah, but prophets. But I mean, he's. But didn't he say that if the Lord tells you that Mormonism's true, that you'll never be led astray? Well, I think he's implying that the if you've already heard about Mormonism, then the Holy Ghost wouldn't confirm anything other than that. But if right. you hadn't heard about it, it might confirm some other things that might eventually end up lead you to Mormonism. Learn about yeah, it, the lesser truths. Feel good about it at that time and convert. Right. Yeah. That's Which when is he very convoluted. Yeah, that's when he should have said, but elders, have you heard about Islam? Have you truly heard about Islam? But would you well, like to know more? And then he would say, yeah, okay, but d- those Islam individuals, have they heard about Mormonism? Let, yeah. me t- let me add to your hypothetical with another hypothetical. Yeah. Yeah, so, so he, he, he thinks he's being really clever and sidestepping and saying, well, that could happen if they haven't heard about Mormonism. But if they have heard about Mormonism. Well, because that, that feeling that confirms that Islam is true, it might be pretty good, but not as good as what it'd feel like if no. you converted to Mormonism. Yeah. Or another church. Now, all ch- we believe that all churches have a portion of the truth, mm-hmm. but we believe that we have the full truth. Okay. Um, but if this person um, feels a sense of peace about the idea that Muhammad is a once-for-all prophet and that, therefore, any any other claim to prophethood is false, how can his belief be true? Peace isn't the only way the Holy Ghost manifests itself. Okay. Peace can come from a lot of things. You can find peace from just going to bed at the end of the day, and that's not necessarily truth from God. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we say peace, peace is just a way that the spirit manifests. Okay. So sure, you might feel peace about that, but as Elder Pringer is saying, he may not have perspective that might it may be the only thing he does know. And so um, there are lots of other ways that the Holy Ghost manifests itself to, to various people. It can be joy, peace. Um, sometimes it can be audible words. There's lots of different things it can do. It's different for all people. And the way you come to know how it speaks to you is by experimenting with it. Prager mm-hmm. just looked at his clock under the table. So, you, so besides peace, what are, what are some other things that 
can distinguish uh, something being the Holy Ghost from being a voice in my head. So you mentioned um, joy. That's one, right? So let me ask the same question as far as joy. Is it possible for somebody to experience a sense of joy about a truth that contradicts Mormonism and yet that thing not be true? To be able to like feel like joy for... So like they're going like against the church in a sense. Yeah, the, th- the okay. thing that they're praying about and that they're feeling joy about, um, okay. somehow, some way, it's a, it's a truth that entails, um, you know, Mormonism not being true. Then no. No. Okay. If you met somebody who had ex- an experience like that, um, let's, let's say, let, let, me, let me give you a scenario. Let's say somebody prayed um, to know whether or not Mormonism was true. So, so like... Don't they look pissed? Like, like you're not going to get us to say that the church isn't true. You're trying to get us to say that the church is true. Prager's giving him a second chance, I think. Prager sat back, but now he's like leaning in and he's trying to to still communicate. But Jim's companion over there is not having it. He like, after he folded his arms, he looked down at the camera, like really with a sinister look and then looked back at the guy. Like he's clued in a little. I I think, I think you're right though, Glenn, when you mentioned that, uh, what's his face looked at the clock. Yeah, I think I think at that point it was a clear indication that the discussion um, we hit the point of no return. There's no like we're not going to get anywhere here. Yeah. Uh, the elders realize that. Uh, a captain interviewer still, you know, he's he's thinking, oh, I've got a video to do, and I maybe I can push him literally into this corner a little more. I don't know because because he because he showed his mad scriptorian skills and went to the Laban scripture and didn't get a single you know like yeah, attaboy. Not bite, nothing not nothing I know whiffed so yeah and and there's still 28 minutes left of this oh god and they got a sense of peace and joy that they interpreted as meaning that mormonism is not true in other words they prayed and the answer they got was no it's not true how would you distinguish between their experience and the experience uh something like you guys had where somebody prayed and they experienced peace and joy, but the answer they felt like they got was yes. How do I, as the objective observer, distinguish between this person who experienced peace and joy but got the answer of no, and this person who got peace and joy and got the answer of yes? How do I tell whose experience is leading to the truth? Well, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I have never heard of anyone feeling of peace and joy and saying that. It was false. Okay. So let's let's say you did. Let's say you met somebody who had this experience. Um, you met somebody and they, they genuinely tell you, hey, listen, I've, I've heard all this before. And I, I prayed about it. I spent months praying. And I felt a sense of peace and joy. And the answer that was associated with that sense of peace and joy was no, Mormonism is not true. How do you determine that their experience is invalid how do you how do you how do i as the objective observer distinguish between this person's experience of peace and joy and that person and this person okay i got you so i think one big thing is looking at their life (laughs) if we're looking at someone's life and if they are feeling that peace and joy then they're really living it and wanting to know more at all times um, 
but if we're going over, let's take a look at the person who felt the answer, no. And they say that they had that peace and joy, the love, and the answer was no. So, usually if something is a no, you act on it, right? You, you say, okay, I'm not going to do that. Like, let's say you're like, do I, should I go on that roller coaster? Answer, no, you don't do it. Usually the people that get the no are the people that are living in a worldly state. They only want to be able to get their own gain. Okay. They want, they want to have sex. They want to have drugs. They want to... Right, oh right when he's saying that they want to have sex and drugs, that's when you want me to pause it, Brady? Let's <laughs> get into the good stuff. This was the part. So I listened to it earlier today. And I, I, was doing, I was doing yoga, and once this part started, I was just like, oh, like it was killing me hearing <laughs> this because at the same time, like I, I'm so not into what he's saying and so against it. But at one point, I think I believed this, and, yeah, it, yeah. And, and I really thought in this same way, and it made me feel like so sad that I used to be that way. But it, it's just like this really weird mix of emotions. Well, feeling like the only way that you would get anything that would say that the church isn't true is if you're wicked. If you're a wicked person. That would be, that would have been the first leap and jump that I would have made. Mm. And I also know that that happens all the time. I just heard heard of a story today of that happening to a member whose husband is an exmo, right? Yeah, right. It happened to her. So it's just inherent in the culture and the way that we're raised, because it's very judgmental. It's, it's always looking for, well, if that's not happening, they're sinning. Like, they're doing something wrong, and they're living in sin. Yes, yeah. and I actually called out in my notes, and we'll get to it a little bit, where it is really, if you're getting something different, it's because of you. Not because God God knows what his truth is. It's this church. We know what it is because we're obedient. We do whatever. If you get something that's different, then you are not being righteous and that you are the problem. Yeah, it's, it's like what you'd said, Brady and Walker in the, in the text, blaming the victim 101. I mean, that's all this is. You know, it, it, let's, let's look at this person's life. I mean, let's, let's find, let's find holes in their lives that led them to this, this thing. So, yeah. and, and I think if we go back to those around cognitive, shame. cognitive distortions that, that we went over at the beginning, number 16 was inability to disconfirm. Um, you know, that, that, that's more about if, if you've got like this negative view, no, nothing that anybody says positive can push you away from the negative, but it's kind of inverse in this case where, they've got this positive view that if you're, if you just ask God about the book of Mormon, he's going to give you the answer because of course it's true. And they have the inability to disconfirm that hypothesis. They can't even imagine something that could disconfirm that. And then number 17 was the judgment focus, which I think is what you were talking about. Um, Just how judgmental you get when things aren't going your way and you're blaming somebody else. It can't be, God, it can't be the message. It can't be this thing that's what we know is true. Uh, all right, ready to jump back in? Do anything that they can that is outside of God's will. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you can see that in their life because it brings a sadness over them. Well, not necessarily a sadness, but you can just see in their eyes, in their countenance, Jeez. 
that their life just seems a little bit more depressing, if you will. Okay. This is where I would have asked them to leave. How do you determine that somebody's answer of no is due to this? And so you, you presented this as a, one possible reason why somebody has uh, received the answer of no. How would you determine that? Would you, would you exa- let's say you examine their life. Is it possible that you would see no signs of living in a worldly state, no signs of a desire to, for, for things like sex, drugs, and stuff like that? How do, how do you know? How do you determine that? Um, what, what would it look like? Let me ask, let me ask it this way. For that, what would it look like for a person? It's it's a, it's a terrible question because he's already gotten the answer. What 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 does it look like? Well, what it looks like is they've prayed and they've gotten the the answer that it's no. <laughs> That's what it looks like. That's what they're basing all of this on. <laughs> they can't speculate on anything else. Receives the answer of no. If they were not living in a worldly state, pride, pride. Okay, so the same question. What would their, what, how would you recognize a person who experienced the, the answer of no? And, and my, my theory is that when um, Elder Arnfold said pride, that he's looking right at him and he's saying, you're talking, to, we're talking about you right now, buddy. Yeah, guess who's got it. Guess who's got it, you. Guess, guess who's not going to be able to um, partake of the fruitfulness of our message because of his pride. <laughs> you buddy guess who hasn't felt it yeah i would say side note that guy's gonna be ap someday look at his (laughs) ability to just disconnect from his companion and uh have his own opinions yeah 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 i i I think there's probably times where he's been looking at his companion elder prager and going why the hell are you saying that that's so stupid that's wrong yeah the judgment's so thick that they even judge each other yeah Yeah. right for whom pride was not an issue what would that look like I would say that with all of these questions, conversion and the message that we offer, um, the answers that come are personal. It's not a blanket um, like category you can put over everyone. This is exactly what happens. Um, because it is personal, these questions are difficult to answer because they manifest themselves differently in all people. And so, again, that's why we stress so much the importance of reading the Book of Mormon and praying for it and receiving for yourself an answer of its truth. Okay. So, but, but back, back to my question of like, how do you know for any given person who you talk to who says they receive the answer of no, how do you determine whether or not Things like sex, drugs, and pride were an issue. I so think it, you need to know. Because like you said, it's personal. Mm-hmm. So let's say, let's say it was the case that they prayed, they got an answer of no. And it, it wasn't due to living in a worldly state. It wasn't due to sex, drugs, and pride. What would that mean for, for the validity of their answer? Would it be, would the thing they pray about, would, that, would their answer of no be accurate? if it was not due to any of those things? A few things pop into mind. Um, one, I would wonder about their conversion, what they've actually, have they been reading the Book of Mormon? Have they been wanting to uh, more really More judgment, know? more blaming the victim. Um, yeah. 
And two, I honestly would say that there wouldn't be any validity. And what about, so no validity for them, what about their experience causes you to conclude that it's invalid? The conclusion Because, again, I've never seen someone who wants to know and truly come on to God, Real intent. pray about it, and not receive an actual answer. Because you're 18 and you don't okay. want anything. What if you did meet somebody like that? What if you met somebody who said, look, I grew up as a Mormon. I have no incentive for Mormonism to not be true. My life is invested in Mormonism. Um, all my family is Mormon. Um, Mormonism goes back generations in my family. I have no reason for it not to be true. In fact, if I deny Mormonism, I have nothing but ridicule and suspicion and shame um, to win for it. Not, nothing to gain. I very much want Mormonism to be true. And I prayed for it, and I, and I received the answer of no. Would that be valid? Well, you tackle that. <laughs> hey, Junior. Just as our, like I said before, the challenge is personal. We have to put forth that effort. If someone is genuinely trying to know if it's true, and they are putting forth the work to receive an answer, they will receive an answer that it is true. Okay. So this is interesting. I would like to talk about that claim, um, the claim that if someone wants to know, the answer they will receive is yes. How would you demonstrate the truthfulness of that claim? Do it. Simple as that. Take the challenge. Read the Book of Mormon. Pray about it to know if it's true. Do the things that you have to do to align your will with God's, and you will know that it's true. Bam. Okay, so you're saying essentially experience. Yes. So let's say we talk to somebody who has this experience and they receive the answer of no. If experience is the criteria, then wouldn't somebody's experience of receiving an answer of no validate, wouldn't that be a valid experience? If that if that's a criteria, ex- experience, they prayed, they received the answer of no, they took you up on your challenge. What, what makes their experience invalid and the person over here's experience valid? valid? got the answer yes so you know it is just such a they just hit such a quagmire right here there's there's no way that either of them are moving forward with where they want the other person to go in this conversation right they're they're complete standstill because they're like if you sincerely pray about the book of mormon you read it yeah about it you get the answer that is true that's it then he's like okay let let me what if not yeah, let me ask what you impossible then. What if someone does it and then gets a no? And then they're just like, that would never happen. That would never and, then, happen. and then Prager's like, dude, I, I've never met anybody that hasn't read and prayed and they come to know it's true. So my subjective experience is now objective experience. So there you go. So, so this is where if I was going to be a very, very committed street epistemologist, <laughs> I would say, okay, all right, what, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to read? What do you want me to pray about? We'll yeah. meet again. We'll talk yeah. and, and take this away from the abstract. Yeah. Um, what ifs and, and just go here and, and like, what did they do when it says, did you pray about it? Yeah. But he would have to do it. Yeah. He, he would have to actually read it. He would have to actually pray about it. 
yep. you, would have, you know, have to be honest about it and, and show them. But I don't think that that's anything that he's really interested in or willing to do. But that, I mean, I don't, and but I don't why even, not, But why not? But why not? You're, you're exactly right, Glenn. And this even goes back to when the missionaries were meeting with me. On meeting number two, they committed me to read at least one chapter in the Book of Mormon. I was like, more than happy to do that. So I did it legitimately. And then they asked me if I did it. And then they asked me if I prayed. And I did legitimately. But the thing yeah. is, I mean, what, come on. It was that Tom, right? what did you do wrong? I know. See, that's the point. It's like, so even, even, even if I, <laughs> all right, let, let's not hit too close to home there, Blaine. Anyway, oh, <laughs> no, but uh, so when I tell him that, then yeah, it puts him in a situation of like, oh crap, he, he actually felt followed through with all of our challenges and our goals and whatever. And then he comes up short. Well, yeah. Then it comes down to blaming the victim. Like, well, yeah, I didn't pray with sincere heart or I didn't have enough faith. It's like, whatever. So it's, it's a lose, lose all the way around. He's all these things that he's saying is going right past them. And they're, they're buried deep behind that wall. Yeah. This is just, this is pointless right here. This is what I find interesting is they, they say, okay, we have this script literally a scripture of what to do to find mm -hmm. the truth. And this is what it says to do. And he's like, but that doesn't always work. And then they say, well, we can't judge. It's a personal thing. Yeah. But we're going to judge you if it doesn't work. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it is a weird quagmire. It, and, and it's, it's, it's just stupid because they, they said universally for anyone, anyone who prays about this will get an answer that it's true. Just try it. You'll get it. I promise. And then they say, but everybody gets the answer in a different way. It's, it's, it, we can't really talk about it because it's different for everybody, how they receive the answer. Well, look, okay, maybe it's different, but it tells them that they're true or not. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. the, but, but I, and to me, this is the example of where the rider on the elephant, <laughs> you know, constructing these post hoc narratives just isn't really doing a very good job about it, but it doesn't really matter because what matters is how they feel and how they feel is a firm, strong conviction and, and maybe like a fear of any kind of doxastic openness. Like they will not allow themselves yeah. to even go to the place of being able to answer these questions yes. um, sincerely because I, I, and just again, going from my own experience, I, I wanted to be, the guy that never denied Jesus like Peter did three times, you know, not, not you, Peter, you just denied him the one time and it was good easy, for you. You're fine easy. with it. Easy, easy. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I, I wanted to be the one that was faced with um, all of the, 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 the reasons why the church couldn't be true, but I'm still standing and saying, you know what, even though all of those things make perfect sense, logically, I just know, I just know. And that's what'll make God. That'll, that's what'll get me the Scooby snack from God, you know. Um, and so that's it, the secret sauce that's missing from this. The, all everything you just said, it was your personal experience. It's the feelings, yeah. And that it's, and it's missing. And I think you're right. If he had gone through the exercise of actually saying, "Let's do this the next time," these two can refute the ideas. They can refute the hypothetical because it's not a real human being that they're having to refute. But they yeah. look that guy in the eye and say, "Your experience, your personal experience, is invalid." Right. That's a much harder thing to do. Yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah. And but 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 even even then, even even if this street epistemologist 
took the time to really go through all of these discussions with them and spend a couple of months just to get them to the place where like, see, I did everything that you said and it still didn't do it. Is he really going to create doxastic openness no. among them as Mormon missionaries? I mean, is it impossible? I don't think it's impossible. I think it's, it's, it's up to the personalities. I think that has a lot to do with it. But just that role of being a missionary, you're it's, so it's, yeah, it's all too, in. They, they, invest, they invested so much. Yeah, there's yeah. no turning back on this two years for the most part. There's a few, like you said, there's a few things that might sneak in and plant some seeds of doubt. But they're not, I mean, for the most part, it's pretty easy to say that most missionaries don't allow for doubts to fester. They yeah. got, they have, they're busy. They've got their goals. They're, they keep themselves fixated and they have objectives to obtain. Like, they're not going to sit there and think about stuff like that. They're too busy converting and bringing souls to Christ. and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't see either side converting the other or even making a dent. Yeah. Plus I bet this guy asking the questions has like dark eyes or something. So they blame it on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. All of these things, because I know they're from God, we're out here 24-7 teaching people of how they can have these experiences. I know that that case doesn't happen. If someone is genuinely trying to come closer to God, and they are genuinely trying to receive that answer, they will. Okay. Only if it's genuine. So you're saying it doesn't happen. So let's... What would convince you is that it does happen? So is what would convince you that somebody's experience of receiving the answer of no did, did genuinely happen? What would, conv- what would convince you? Nothing would convince them, dude. If I could walk, this is me personally. Mm-hmm. If I could just sit down with them and talk with them, and I could feel the spirit in that room with what they were talking about, I would be able to understand but I know for a fact that would not happen. So you're saying in order for you to become convinced that... Um, Do you think part of what he's saying right there is right now, I only feel the spirit of contention. Yes, I do not I, feel the spirit in this room I, right now. I, I and that's why saying, this is Yeah, I, I definitely think he was saying like, no one's being taught truth here because there's no spirit here. There's yeah. No spirit of contention. Da, 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 da. Yeah. People do actually pray genuinely and receive a no answer. You would have to be sitting in the room with them, talking with them, feeling the spirit. Well, my question for them would be, what is their yes answer? Because if this is a no, then what is the truth? What have they found that is better than this? If they have something that is better than this, and I take the challenge and pray about it, everything and I received the same answer, that that is correct, then I would believe it. But it is not. There, there's nothing else. This is the true church of God, and it has been restored to the earth today. And I know that for a fact. Okay. See, st- so you're stop. saying, what is the yes answer? So, so there's a thing here that's really broken where he would say, hey, I would take this challenge. But if you read in Moroni where it says it, it is, you know, Pray on the things that you believe are true. You know, start with this believing principle and take the test. These elders are not even able to do that, to to have that believing mindset to validate Islam or or whatever. Anything besides Mormonism. 
Right. Yeah. So when he's saying Church that, of Latter- Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saintism. Yeah, there is yeah. no Mormonism. There is no Mormonism. Yeah. Thanks for the correction. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So so there's a thing where where now you know it's it's straight up not even a legit conversation. They are now thirty minutes in, hanging onto the rolls like a champ. Yeah. Well, and and I loved Elder Stay, Captain Speechless over here, where he's like, "Where will you go? And there's nothing. What will better. you do?" There's nothing. Yeah, it's, it's just like I mean, if they pray and they and, and they get an answer yes to something else, like for sure, it's not going to be as good. I mean, look at how good we've got it. Yeah. I mean, my subjective experience tells me that it's freaking awesome. So yeah. Plus and, now now they're looking at this as an opportunity where they can boldly testify to a sinner. And have that be something that's on their eternal resume where they can get the Scooby snack in the eternal world and be good. Well done now. Good and faithful servant elder stay. You showed that guy with your testimony, right? And that right there, you did it. You boldly testified. Cause you said everything else is crap. Mm-hmm. No, in some ways I feel for these kids still, man, because I was in their same boat. Right. Of course. How do you like, not feel bad? For I had man? only read as far as scriptures go. I had read only LDS canon, right? I stayed all within that and I studied it, but it was all within the church's stuff. I had never read anything outside of it. And so like his appealing to that and going to, what will you find that's better? It's like, he just hasn't read anything else. He has no clue what else is out there because once you start reading and expanding your horizons, holy shit, there's a lot of really great stuff out there that puts the Book of Mormon to shame in so many different ways. And so he's just, I, I feel for them also because I was, I was them in that way. I think they're doing a pretty good job, honestly, of holding their ground for, Yeah. Uh, I mean, they keep telling them what they believe. This is why I don't think it's always effective. I and mean, he should have wrapped this up like 10 minutes ago, it was just, okay, well, thanks for your time. Right. Yeah. Recognizing it's not going anywhere. Yeah. I, I do like he, that. He keeps going. Cause I love the salt analogy though. Oh, okay. Well, we'll get to the salt analogy. Okay. <laughs> Is it necessary to have a yes answer? If you know that this answer over here is incorrect. And so in your case, for instance, you're convinced that Mormonism is true. Is it necessary for you to um, have a complete refutation of every single religion in order for you to know they're false? Or is having this yes answer sufficient for you to root all those out? For me, it's having this yes answer and being able to talk with other people about other churches and their experiences and to be able to always get that confirmation over and over and over again that this is the yes. Because I've been out for almost nearly two years. I've talked to many different people about what their beliefs are and what what they do. And I can honestly say that every single time it always leads me back to the Book of Mormon in our church. And so the yes that that this is the yes answer that is sufficient to me. Let me try to come back to that question. Is Do you think that it is necessary in order to come to the conclusion that something is false? Is it necessary? Is it absolutely necessary to have um, a yes answer to these other things? 
well, one cannot have bitter without sweet, right? You can't know, like, what a cake, how sweet a cake really is, or how sweet That's honey cereal. is, unless if you know what, like, cereal tastes like. <laughs> cereal. I'm trying yeah. to think of something bitter, but I couldn't think of anything, so cereal was the best thing. <laughs> but you can't know the yeah. difference between the two unless if you actually yeah. have it. Mm-hmm. And so... In order for you to get that yes answer... No cookie crunch for Elder Prager. I'm not sure if this is answering your question at all. But you have to know of what some of the alternatives are. Mm-hmm. What I'm asking is something like, let's say theoretically, somebody came to the conclusion that Mormonism was false, just theoretically. Is it necessary for them to know what is true in order for them to know what that, that Mormonism isn't true? So people that fall away from the church usually just stop believing. They don't stop believing in God, but they stop going to all churches, and they start doing the things of the world. They <laughs> just start going out, out to parties, like volume drinking, to zero. You're done. drugs, and they're just unhappy in their life. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, the arrogance of this kid. Poor guy. He was right on the drinking, so... So, to, to repeat the question, is it necessary for somebody to um, to have a yes answer to these other things in order for them to be justified in concluding that Mormonism is, fa- is yeah, false? That's a stupid question, street epistemologist. <laughs> Here come stupid answers. Yeah, in other words, let me put it this way. Does them not, to use your language of like having a yes answer to these other things... Does not having a yes answer to those other things affect at all their conclusion that this thing here is false? Like, is it possible for somebody to not have a yes answer to that other stuff, but still have a justification for why this here is false? Is that a possibility? So, like, they, they receive an answer that the church is false by feeling like the other churches are, they have that yes factor. No, they, they don't know anything about the other churches. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm asking this because Elder Stay, you said your, your, your question to them would be, um, well, what's your yes answer? What is, what is true? If, if Mormonism isn't true, then what is true? And so my, that's why my question is, like, they say they don't know what is true, but they know what isn't true because they studied it or whatever. They have some justification for some reason um, why they believe Mormonism to be false does not having a yes answer affect that at all? Is it possible for uh, logically for somebody to know that this thing here is false, even though they don't have a yes answer to this other stuff? For me, it does. I mean, I think you have to have like a, if this isn't right, then what's going to be right? Like, you're like religious. My bur- that's how my brain works. Is <laughs> if something's not right, then what is right? Mm-hmm. Even though I just went to the what. Right, but that seems, definitely seems like a valid, like natural question. You know, if you if you were to discover that your religion is false, that you would naturally wonder, man, I wonder what is true. But my question is, does not knowing what is true um, is it take possible? take away from what you know your conclusion that this is false? What, why, why is this guy asking? I don't, I don't even understand what he's doing at this point. What well, he's I trying think, to say is, can you, can you get a no answer to something in the absence of a yes answer? Yeah. Can you have no right. confidently 
and only that, or do you, can you only say no if you have a yes? I, I, I guess what I mean is I don't understand why that's relevant. I, I don't understand it's where he's necessar- going to take that. It's or- not necessarily relevant. He just keeps banging that same drum. Right. And, 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 I, and I feel like if he would have taken the angle that uh, Prager, is that his name? I don't know. Yeah. That when he had said, when they kind of started to talk about people that had left the church, to me, that's an angle that he could have kind of pushed the gas on a little bit. People that have believed, that went through there, felt the spirit, felt exactly what you two young elders felt, and then decided that, you know, things weren't for me, or I started to look at hindsight, what the spirit was, started to interpret things a little bit differently. How do you come to conclusions with that? Of course, they would blame the victim. They would sin. Sin, of course. I know, blame the victim. But the thing is, is, to me, at least that's a different angle by saying instead of this banging the drum, like, well, can they pray and fit all the qualifications that you elders put forth and they get a no answers, like what Peter was saying in the absence of a yes or whatever. But I'm, yeah, he just keeps banging this. Yeah. Drum. I just don't, I don't understand his end game at this point. I, I don't understand what his objective is. What, what, what does he hope that they will say? What's he trying to steer them towards? I, I don't, yeah, he's just he's, I, he's I, probably I, realizing he picked the wrong argument. You know, it's like arguing with like a a donkey. It's not going to understand anything different. And or he or he had an idea that this was the smoking gun. This was what was going to put them in their place. This thing and it wasn't working and he's like, "Well, I'm just going to stick with it." <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't understand it. I'll may, may, maybe when I talk with some street epistemologists, I'll ask if they'd be willing to listen to this episode and then let us know <laughs> where we were too hard on the street epistemologist and tactics and like where he was doing good and where he wasn't. Cause I'm just, I don't, I don't see the, uh, I don't see the, uh, the angle on his side. So. You got an answer? <laughs> I would say you can deny whatever you want, like whenever you want, even if you have known the truth at one point, but to what end, like what would be the purpose of, Going away to nothing, like they're not even talking about the like same leaving, thing. Say, for this instance, the the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints to go oh, to nothing. I, I don't know. Prager yeah. yawned. Perfect. What they fourth would be trying to find. Yeah, for like, yawn. <laughs> think that phrase. It's <laughs> okay. Yeah, take your time, dudes. I get the impression that they're they're a little disappointed or flustered by the fact that they're not getting lightning revelation down. <laughs> They would have a purpose for their. I I think that I think if if it was if it was me, I would be feeling that frustration that there's not lightning revelation, and I would blame it on this guy. Of course, for 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 not, you know, like man, when when somebody's really interested, things just flow. The spirit's there. Of course, but when when somebody like is has the devil in their life and they bring the devil into the room with him. I mean, boy, it's really blocking. I prefer the term antichrist. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, This is the, this is the kind of guy that kicks kittens on his way to work. I mean, this, this, yeah, terrible, terrible dude. Yeah. Answer for them coming to the conclusion that it was false. And so I think that would be their justification for leaving. Like they don't necessarily have to have truth like you're saying it a better alternative it would be because they have a definitive reason it's not true that makes sense Mm -hmm. so you're saying because earlier you did say that you would wonder what they're yes answer what what they say yes to so are now you saying that 
maybe they don't have a yes answer, but they're okay in um, saying that this particular thing here is false. What? Right. So I would. I have no. Because before the answer, it wasn't so definitive. Like, I would be curious personally what they would leave for. Okay. Um, and so I think. You say the question one yeah. more time. <laughs> I would actually, I would actually love. This is this is an interesting question. Okay. It's kind is of it? an aside from what we were originally talking about. I'm mostly interested in delving into um, this prayer experience, this praying that the Book of Mormon is true, <laughs> and how we distinguish between somebody's. Um, I'm not sure what to call this kind of experience, prayer experience, or what have you. How we distinguish between a valid of such an experience, a valid experience like that, and an invalid experience. So back to the example that I gave of somebody who, one person over here who prays that Mormonism is, prays to know whether or not Mormonism true is true, answers a, a, receives an, a yes answer, and another person over here receives a no answer. He hasn't That's, been saying So attention. we're talking about that, and I'm, I'm interested in, in probing that some more. Um, do you guys want to give that another, another go-ahead? Like, how do we distinguish between one person's experience and another of yes and another person's experience of no? Yeah, bring more Book of Mormons up, dude. My Who's the bigger sinner? That's my question. Well, but the, if it's that's a yes, good. it's a valid answer. If it's okay. a no, it's not a valid uh, answer. Well, They've already answered that question. For me, it's like I said before, it's personal. It's a personal thing that you do. Say, say that again, Brady. That's the whole issue, and it's where, where this whole thing got tripped up earlier, too, is that, like, spirit of contention feeling. Like, essentially, in Mormonism, your emotions are controlled, or, like, the, what they mean is determined by the church, right? If you feel good about something, and it's talking about the church, then that's true. If yeah. anything starts talking bad about the church, you're going to feel this dissonance or, like, or, or issue, and it'll be contentment or the spirit contention. of contention. Yeah. Contentment. And so they're, they're monopolizing those emotions. And so the only option is that you can feel good about the church. Right. Unless you seriously dive into sin territory. You're, you're trapped, essentially, in that feeling. Yeah. Well, and, and Delaney mentioned this in the, in the chat, and it's a really good question that I wish that the interviewer would have asked is, why is it that uh, the God of Mormonism testifies of his truth in such a very convoluted or wonky way? Like, wh why is he using this method? Couldn't he, like, testify the truth in a non-confusing way? In a, in a way that actually doesn't get all muddled? Well, Tom, then you wouldn't need faith. It's about needing faith. Well, you don't, no, so you're right, obvious. you're right. But, but it's not like perfect knowledge, like, I'm going to reveal myself to you. No, it's like, couldn't he, couldn't he kind of not use the filter of emotions that we all feel? <laughs> like, not use that, like something else? Like, even Prager said earlier... He actually thought he heard a voice say, yes, it's true. I mean, okay, that seems a little bit better than just, oh, you know, I, I got that same feeling in my heart or whatever. I don't know. I'm dying to see the scripture he's about to turn to. Look All at right, it. here we go. I know. Yeah, he's, he's intent. Um, I don't think it's something to be analyzed and to this is, say, oh, this one was correct or this one wasn't. It is a personal thing that you come to know. It's like if I were to ask you to describe to me how salt tastes, and I've never tasted salt. Okay. You could kind of get 
vague concepts like how we say it's peace or joy or something like that, mm-hmm. you cannot adequately describe the, the full experience of it. Mm-hmm. It's a personal thing. And the only way for me to know would be for you to give me some salt for me to take. So that's what we do, share the Book of Mormon. Yeah. But you but you do believe that that person who received the no answer is mistaken, correct? Yes. So I'm wondering, why is it that this person's experience entails that what they believe in is true? And it's a yes. And this person's experience doesn't entail that what they believe is, is true and they receive a no. Um when the evidence is the same either way they both have an experiential encounter Mm -hmm. why is that i would say it's the effort that they put forth into it the things that we invite people to do read the book of mormon and pray uh, that's been repeated many times through this discussion Mm -hmm. Um, and when you do those things with real intent like if you're genuinely wanting to know like i've said before then God will manifest the truth of it unto you. I've seen it okay, happen yeah, in that's my right. life, and I've seen it happen in the lives of many of the people that we go out teaching. And the difference between the people who get a negative answer versus a positive answer is the effort that they put forth into it. Good old classic blame in the How would you right. put that claim to the test? How would you put... So the claim is, if some. The, the way they put the claim to the test, what they're angling for is for you to read the Book of Mormon, dude. And not just read it. You got to have sincere and you got to be genuine. You got to have faith in Christ. Glenn, I think you should read the chat from the last like little bit about the whole salt, the salt thread that's happening there. You, you, you read it. You read it. Oh, me. man. All right. Um, got the wrong salt from John. Then Walker, no salt, salt substitute. Uh, was it pink Himalayan? John Kosher? Delaney. <laughs> Iodine added? <laughs> it's never God, it's the leadership. Oh. Inadequate piece of shit. Me, you inadequate piece of salt. <laughs> uh, it, it was a pretty oh. good uh, yeah, salt. That, that should have been. We're talking about Lot's wife, the salt. Yeah, that's from Walker. Yes. Great. Okay, so we've got we've got a, a chat room that's distracting everyone. I feel like the teacher that's saying, "Okay, put put your phones away now." But it's that's funny. <laughs> I know. If you if you've got a piece of gum, just make sure you've got enough for the whole class. <laughs> I'm sorry, my computer's slow, and so I don't want to get on here and be all glitchy. That's why I'm taking up the chat room. But that's okay. Uh, that's for some okay. reason, the song. What what is, what is the right what what is the right response to the salt analogy? Because that. I, I think maybe the first time I actually heard the salt analogy was in Bill Maher's movie Religious when he was talking with the theme park Jesus. Mm. And the theme park Jesus was saying, well, do you know what salt tastes like? It's kind of, that's kind of like the spirit. What, is, is there a good counter to that? Well, I think there's an assumption that, that people don't know what, you know, saying, hey, if you don't know salt, I can't describe it to you. But there's this assumption that I felt God in my life you haven't. How yeah. can I, you know, so, so it's, it's really kind of this. Unfair, I can't describe it in words. Yeah. It, it's kind of bullshit. Yeah. But so what's the, what's the response to it? The response is like, what a bold assumption that is that, you know, everything about my life that I've never had an experience like that. that but I've are... tasted salt. I've yeah. tasted salt and I've also felt joy. 
I, I, and it doesn't mean that your church is true. I'm sorry. Like there, there is no comparison there. Not only have I tasted salt, I've tasted salt that's better than any salt you've ever experienced. But because you've only had one kind, you don't know what I'm talking about. See, I think that's too combative, Peter. Well, I'm in that mood. <laughs> what, if what if they're from the Himalayas and they've only had pink Himalayan salt, though? Does pink Himalayan salt really taste any different than any other kind of salt? It's supposed to be special or something. I know it's supposed to be special. Your tongue just does dances in your mouth. I've got some. I use it. Probably has all kinds of essential. I don't know. I could pass a a salt taste test with the different types of salt, but um, yeah. I I, have a salt challenge to do. Yeah. I think my answer would be, well, F you. So so Peter's was a better (laughs) answer than mine. Yeah. I don't know. Think about that. I would that. just take it to a different analogy of my own from there. Like, I, why even bother addressing that analogy? Just take it to something that's going to make them think and think a little more critically, maybe. Yeah. And why is it salt? I mean, it's kind of racist. Why don't they do pepper? Oh, my God. That's not. That's a good point. It's no, like no one ever. That. No one ever. <laughs> let's, let's talk about that. It's, let's delight, definitely. it's a little more delightsome than pepper. It is. It is a bit more delightsome, I suppose. I don't know. I like pepper. All right. What would convince you that that somebody uh, really wanted to know and yet they still got a no answer? What would what would it take to convince you? What would you take as evidence that somebody really wanted to know, but they still got a no answer? What would you accept as con- convincing to you? So us as missionaries, we go around and we leave commitments with everyone. We commit people to read the Book of Mormon. We commit people to come to church, and we commit people to pray. It's those three things that we commit people to do. Now. If they did all of those things and still got the no answer that you are saying that is possible. <laughs> I'm not saying it is possible. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering how how you would know whether or not it's possible. Oh, okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. I but got if they did all of those things, if they came to church, they prayed, and they read the scriptures and they still got that no, mm-hmm. or they somehow got that no, for some reason, I wouldn't believe for me, I wouldn't believe them. I don't think anything could convince me that someone got a no because of the answers for which I have gotten and been able to be given through God. Mm-hmm. And, what is it, and what is it about your experience of receiving a yes that is more valid than their experience of receiving a no. What is it about your experience that is somehow more um, able to establish the truthfulness of your claim that doesn't work for their claim? To go back to the salt analogy thing, where if I said, here's some salt, like this is what it tastes like, I, I can't adequately describe it to you. But I can invite you to know what to do so you can actually taste of that salt yourself. It's not... Um, it's not like, okay, can you rephrase your question? I lost my train of thought. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm just, um, I can't remember exactly what I just, what I just asked, but the, the basic idea is, oh, that's right. Um, go ahead. Okay. This is why I don't like this because essentially what they're saying is you already have to be 
sinless to have God reach out to you, which oh, is the, not, like they were sinless, like they were right. Which is not what Christianity broader Christianity teaches. It's it's we're all sinners and God talks to you. You just accept him and well, you know, accept Jesus into your heart. Um, what I don't like about this is the takeaway for me is that, well, good for you that you got your special spiritual experience to confirm that God is there or that the church is true because I never got that. So what does that, I mean, God must love you more than he loves me because so many of us, while we were going through a faith transition, we're trying, we were looking in the scriptures, we were praying and reading conference talks and all the church approved material to hear crickets. And that's why this is so frustrating because they don't realize that you can do all the steps and it still doesn't work. Right. And that, that, that's the whole, I mean, that's the thing is for people that go through a faith transition, when they stop blaming themselves, when they get to that place where they're like, okay, I'm actually doing like all the work. And then it, it takes that one thing. I don't Well, maybe not one thing or a culmination of things where it's like, what if it's not me? What if it's what if it's the errors? What if it's the things, the problematic issues and the doctrines? And what if it's all these things? Then you shift the focus on that. That's that's when the eyes start to open. And these elders aren't going to do that. And, and, and he, this interview guy, he he's asking questions where they've got to be self aware enough to answer these. questions. They're not even in that place. Right. So pointless, man. And, and, and I think, I think because it got so contentious so early and they just kind of shut down that all the answers that they're giving him right now, are just kind of like swatting him away. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't think if, if you held them, like if, if you showed this to them today and said, do you really believe this? I think they go, no, that, that guy was just an asshole. And we were just kind of like, but, but, because I, I think what they're saying to him is, you just need to try this. We're missionaries that come out here to offer people salt. So put it in your mouth and taste it. Don't ask us, well, what if I don't know how it tastes? What if, what if it tastes like something else to me? What if it, I'm holding it right here. I, I put the Book of Mormon up in front of your camera. Open it, read it, pray about it. That's what we do here. If you really want to know, we'll t- you know, do it. Yep. And you'll find out. And yeah. I think they're just pissed at him. And so they're just like swatting away anything well what if somebody uh did all that and then they got a no answer no impossible it doesn't happen yeah it doesn't happen because everybody we've talked to that it's been a hundred percent yeah and and i think it's just really they're frustrated with him that he's not the guy that they came into this meeting hoping that he would be and they're being a little petulant at this point I Self, think the conver- super the conver- self-righteous the conversation would be much better if with every question or answer, they'd say, I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> well, I think they're, I think they're trying to pay attention. They're trying to follow along, but they've already uh, yeah, kind of written I, I this know. guy off. They were trying early on. I, I yeah. think, I think everyone's checked out except for the interview guy. Yeah. Well, we've got a few more minutes. Let's see if, let's see, if, let's see if there's a miracle. What is it about your experience? Because you said if somebody, if you, if you yeah. met somebody whose experience was no, they received a no answer, yeah. you're saying you wouldn't believe it. And so I'm wondering, what is it exactly about your experience that makes it more valid than theirs? Yeah. How to- yeah, and, and, and the only reason he said I wouldn't believe it is because he's like, I'm not going to get you to make me say that the church could not be true. Right. 
I'm just, you're not going to put me in that corner. So I'll say whatever I need to say. That's the thing. He's asking the impossible. Yeah. They they can't answer it. No. I mean, they're too, yeah, whatever, dude. It's dumb. Uh, Why is it that yours establishes the truthfulness of your belief and doesn't establish, that doesn't establish theirs? Yeah. So where I was going with that is it would be like you replying to me, salt doesn't exist. When I ask you or try to describe to you what salt tastes like, you know, that doesn't exist. It's because you haven't gone out and tried it. You haven't gone out, found it, and partook of it. And that's like with the Book of Mormon again. It's reading and praying about it to know for yourself if it's true. And that answer does come. Yeah, and you really got to want to taste the salt. Yes, it all comes back to the effort that you put into it. If you go and you read the Book of Mormon, because we give you a checklist of the things to do, read, pray, go to church, and then you pray, but you're not genuinely wanting to receive an answer, you're not going to get an answer because you've already had that made up in your mind. But if you're open to it and you do the things looking for the truth, the truth will be made manifest. That's right. So that's the claim that earlier I was trying to get into is the claim that um, somebody's effort is what it all hinges on. What would convince you that somebody put forth all the effort they could, and yet they still got a no answer. I know that they won't. And how, and how do you know that? Because I've seen it in my life. I've seen it. Every person that I've taught that has genuinely done those things receives a yes answer. And it's a bold And claim. why doesn't this guy just and accept? And it's one that you can only know the truth of. By- why doesn't he just accept? They've answered this question multiple times. There's nothing there's nothing that would convince us. Oh, yeah, but well, what would convince you? Nothing would. All right, well, let me ask it this way. What would convince you? <laughs> nothing would. Okay, I hear what, what you're if saying. Somebody, what what if would somebody, convince you? If it, and what, what if, if somebody, somebody else got, yeah, and got a different answer? Uh, well, no one would. Yeah. Right. Uh, the so, force only so you're saying the reason Everybody you... Everybody knows that. Yeah, the force? Not the dark side, man. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, the force only works of, one way. People work differently. Ohio goes, I'm a star trooper. <laughs> people that everyone you've met it has uh, has received a yes answer that has put forth effort, right? Yes. So conversely, let's say you did meet some people who put forth all all the effort they could, and they told you that they received a no answer. If on the one hand, meeting people who put forth effort and get a yes answer proves to you that that's the case, on the other hand, if you met people who put forth all the effort and received a no answer. Would that likewise cause you to conclude that your belief is false? I haven't seen their effort put in. No, theoretically, theoretically. Let's, if, if that can convince you of the truthfulness of Mormonism, with that same scenario of somebody praying but receiving a no answer, and you, you met people, just like you met people who had a yes answer, mm-hmm. if you met people who had a no answer, what... What would that convince Does you? Does it of look the, like their brain falsity of Mormonism? Yeah, yeah, and they're about to say, "Well, we we're out of time." Yeah, yeah. They're just they're laboring right now. Yeah, well, so yeah. am I. Aren't we all? This guy's pretty thick. Yeah. It's like he's not he's not reading the room very well, and I I don't know what he's going for. I don't know what his end game is here because he's just he's up against a brick wall and he keeps pounding his head against it. So we got we got to go. So I'll, I'll leave you with this answer: is that 
in all honesty, Personal. it would make me question. And then I would go to Heavenly Father. I would pray to know again if what I am doing is right. And I know for a fact that I will get the answer of yes, that this is the true church, and that something happened in their life that they are trying to shun away from God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just wondering, Elder Stay, I know you guys got to go soon, but I guess this is uh, uh, my concluding thought on what you just said, because you, you cited as evidence for why you know that if somebody puts forth all the effort, they'll get a yes answer. I asked you, how, how do you know that? And you said the way you know that is because everyone I've met who has put forth all the effort received a yes answer. And so I'm asking if you received that same type of evidence, you met, you met people who prayed to know whether Mormonism is true, who put forth all the effort they could, but this time they told you they received a no. If that evidence works over here for the yes answer, why doesn't that same exact evidence work over here for the no answer? It would be logical, but the answer is because it is the truth. Oh, this religion, the Book of Mormon, everything, it is the truth. And if you pray to know about it, you will receive a manifestation that it is true. And I can attest and he knows because he went to two other churches because he told us. No, it is true. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys. Thanks a lot. appreciate it. Yeah. Essentially, if you do it enough times, you'll you'll come to believe that you know what salt tastes like because you've convinced yourself you know what it tastes like, even though salt doesn't actually exist. Yeah. Well, they're stuck in a positive feedback loop. Like, no matter what, it's going to be triggering a yes answer. There's, there's really no other option when you weigh in everything that they're putting into it. Right. So what, what you were talking about earlier, Tom, is getting to that point where you start to actually reflect and say, what if the problem isn't with this information, but the problem is with my belief system? The problem is with, with me, like the way I see things or what I believe and, and the church itself. And that's like being able to get people to that point where they start to question and actually allow doubt to mix with their faith. That's when they can start to really analyze and, and go down the rabbit hole. Yep. And it's, I mean, yeah, missionaries are just not in any way shape or form to even be entertaining doubts out there man i think i could do it okay glenn Glenn the exception can do it everybody else can't prove it well they are pretty simple yeah it would it would take a lot of time and a lot of energy and i wouldn't want to do that if you put yourself in their place do you think that you any of you who went on a mission would have gotten to that space of saying, okay, if the, if the possibility of a no answer exists, what does that mean about what I've done with my life to this point? Or if it's, if the possibility exists that I was wrong, like, are they even getting to no. that point? No. There's, there's too, no there's possibility. Many, there are certain missionaries out there that yes, I know. Yeah. I, so, and I've read stories of people who sure. really but they stay closeted right they stay closeted as far as their doubts go and 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 to answer your question peter like that any of those even if they entertain that possibility just for a minute like they're just going to shut it down and there's only one public answer it's true 
And there were certain things that would come up for me. And I remember like mentally shelving things. Like yes, right. the, the shelving analogy is such a great analogy because it's so true and it, and it weighs. But at the same time on my mission, I was in like the best mental gymnastic shape of my life. Like yeah. I was on fire with Bible bashing or men- being able to answer anything with my own imagination ultimately within the confines of Mormonism, right? So for me, the answer was there was no way I, I would have questioned it. Well, and, and I like I, I think back to th- there, there were times where I did experience that cognitive dissonance that I remember, um, but it wasn't in a confrontational state where I was in combat mode. Like, like these guys were clearly in combat mode. It, it was, I was very relaxed. I think, I, I think I told this on a, on a recent um, episode, but there was a, a Japanese guy that, you know, I said, we want to talk to you about the, the meaning of life, the purpose of life. And he said, wait, how old are you? T- tell you what, go, go home, get a job, have some kids, have a family, come back here in 15 years, and then we'll sit down and we'll have a conversation about the meaning of life. Yeah. And it, it was so not confrontational. It wasn't, it wasn't said in anything mean-spirited or challenging, but the content of it was challenging. And I, I, I recognized at the time, he's right. I'm 19, 20 years old. I think I was 20 at the time. And... See, I really it's don't. Yeah. It's surprising you even realize that what he said. Yeah. I don't think I would have. Well, your Japanese always sucked. <laughs> <laughs> that it did. And I spent two years trying to figure it out. So, uh, all the hard questions. <laughs> you, yeah. know, the, you know, for me, the first, the first time I remember um, like getting a light turned on to where I felt like I, I was going to address my shelf it was recently after I got home from my mission and I was elder scorn president or whatever. And I talked to a guy who left the church and we were visit, we were just going out doing visits or whatever. And this guy very directly, very bluntly said, you know, I stopped believing in it. I lost my testimony. And, and so me and this guy that I was with my first counselor, we, we did everything that, you know, missionaries would do. We would share scriptures. And then at the very end, we bore our testimonies to him. And that guy's face didn't budge. Yeah. And at the very, very end, which I, and I was pouring my heart and soul into my testimony, getting all choked up. You know how it is. Right. And, and then, and then he just, it, it, he had just that blank stare. And he's like, you know, I know exactly where you're coming from and I know exactly what you're doing. And I really still appreciate your effort, but nah, it's yeah. not working. Hmm. And it was like, and, after and, that I left and I, and I thought, what? <laughs> like he was immune to everything. Right. Because, and, and he, he knew everything. Beyond but, feeling, right? Yeah. It was, it, but that, that's always stuck with that's me. That, but, I, but I think, I think, that, you know, the difference is that that was a very genuine experience in the moment. It wasn't manufactured at all where what we just sat through were these people that are playing these roles right. that have this agenda. And that was just right. a guy who like actually cared about you and who you actually cared about. You had developed that relationship with them. So you could look at these things that were working for you, even though there was something in you that was like, mm, is it really working for me? And you could see it in him and go, oh my gosh. And so it kind of like plants those seeds. And, and I, can, I can think of a few other times on my mission. I don't remember them with as much clarity 
as I do, um, you know, the, the, the comeback when you know what life is actually about. But, but there was one I, I, I can remember sitting in the room. I just don't remember the details of what we were talking about. And I was responding to somebody's question and I was doing the, the Brady Bloom excellent gold medal mental gymnastics stuff. And I just, I saw it. I recognized it. And I went, wait a second. I'm just like twisting these things like, like a pretzel kind of thing. Do, do, do I really believe this? Do I, where's this coming from? I, you know, I, it, it was really odd to me. And then an, another time was when we were teaching an investigator that didn't ever answer, ask any questions. He just accepted everything. And it bugged me so much. I'm like, really, you don't have any questions about this at all? And so there, there were a few moments on my mission where I was kind of open to that self-reflective doubt and questioning. But most of the time, it, it, was, it, it was so hard to be out there and be doing what we were doing that it was, it was really just so much investment. It was the, the sunk costs, all that stuff in there that you're just like, this had better be true. I'm amazed that you're <laughs> that self-aware, honestly. Yeah. I don't think I ever was. I, I just like, you know, got into the role that I'm Elder Phillips and I just went, went about it. Uh, and, and I don't think I ever had one time that I had any of those thoughts in two years. Mm. Yeah. When I really started to become self-aware is when I was taking like humanities courses and started learning about different cultures that had similar themes and Glenn, you could probably relate to that with your folklore mm -hmm. background. And yeah. you could see all these, uh, I guess you could pick apart the way you think and apply it to other cultures. And I really couldn't see any difference. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I remember sitting in on a lecture where uh, the, the teacher was talking about Sir James Frazier and the Golden Bough and homeopathic magic and sympathetic magic and contagion. And I went, Oh, that's kind of like what we do with consecrated oil. Oh, that's kind of what we do with our sacrament bread and water. Oh, that's kind of like this. And I started seeing that, yeah, that, that's, that's when I started seeing the connections of, of Mormonism as expressing these like very common human needs that have been expressed in similar but different ways all over the world in different cultures and different religions. And yeah, so I definitely had that in um, as, as uh, moments of self-reflection and being able to go, okay, yeah, I can see, I, I can see that. And I, I think that's why it was a, like my exit from the church was a slow peeling of the onion. It took a, it took a long time and I started, because I, I made a distinction between cultural things and gospel things until the, the, the layers of the onion got down to that level of gospel. And I'm like, Oh wait, gospel is just culture too. It's all the same thing. People aren't right. No. What's that? The church is perfect, but the people aren't. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like those, those kinds of things, like not thinking, like thinking, well, of course there's going to be some man-made things in this, but it can't all be man-made. Some of it's got to be from God. And that, you know, eventually I got to the point where, no, it's, it's all man. You know, not, not I'm thinking about it. Like if we were really trying to find effective ways to even reach Mormon missionaries, I honestly think that probably the most effective way is just through the power of storytelling. Mm. I, I think if, if, 
if there was a way to just share your personal story to someone and get them to really understand your perspective and get them to connect with certain elements of your story, your background. You know, we were talking about the Julia Sweeney uh, God story. That's so powerful because she's she's such a good storyteller. And when she when like it's it's to me it's impossible for anybody to watch or listen to her and not get immersed into who you know her background, what she went through. And to me, it's like if you're gonna connect with people, you know, they need to shut the hell up and just let someone share their story until you really feel like that you're taking out of your own goddamn shoes for a minute. And then you can see what someone else's perspective in life is like. And then you're like, Oh my God, that's, that was really eye opening. But yeah. you got to listen to their story first. Absolutely. Also, you have yeah. to actually, like you did with the missionaries, you have to start asking them about them, getting to know them and also their beliefs, really like really asking them about them first so that they'll really listen. They'll, yeah. they'll give that back to you. One one of the street epistemologists who I've um, who, who who may come on um, in a week or so, his name is Anthony Magnabosco, and he does a really good job of. In in I, I've watched maybe like four or five of the videos that he's done, and but but I feel like he does a really good job of connecting with the people on just a a personal level, like it it like it seems. Like, and I'm going back to what you said, Tom, about like the most effective way being storytelling, because I, I, I think storytelling is effective, but I think it's genuinely caring, loving, uh, you know, Absolutely. actually having, you know, caring about these people. And, yeah. and it's when, emotional and they'll feel the same emotions that right. church is true. Like, I remember uh, after I, I had already gone through a faith crisis, I was still, I still was going to church but I was watching general conference and in it, the praise to the man came on. Right. And I, as, as the Mormon tabernacle choir was singing that I, in my mind was essentially bearing testimony to myself that Joseph Smith was not a prophet. And I felt the spirit so strong, like Mm. so strongly and essentially confirming that he wasn't right. So it's the same exact comparison, but being able to, to tell that and it's emotional and, they need to feel that same way, right? That, that they're asking other people to feel. It's possible to feel that without it meaning their church is true. Yeah. And, and I, I also think that if, if you're the street epistemologist and you're questioning them about their beliefs, there's, there's already going to be some like nervousness and tension. So if you can deflate that as much as possible by, by um, releasing any agenda that you have about where they're going to end up at the end of this conversation that you just are to- you're interested in them you are um you're you're going to accept them you're going to accept them whatever they say wherever they are on it you're just asking some questions you just want to get a sense of where they are why they believe what they believe if they're open to these other things um or not and you just have this very gentle friendly long-suffering approach I, I think that's the effective way to do it because it's, it takes a long, I, I think you want to be the kind of person that, and I think this is what um, Magna Bosco does. You know, he, he meets them, he talks to them, he kind of becomes friends with them. He gives them his contact information. And then later on they reach out and yep. you know, it, it's, it's a process I think, but uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of, you gotta be genuine. Yeah. It's like what I was trying to say before when you're trying to metaphorically undress them. Right get them comfortable. (laughs) 
Is that what you were trying to say when you were dressing them? <laughs> when it, well, you guys made it into a freaking joke, but yeah, I was like, you know, get them to take off their name badge and right, and be a person. If you if because that's what I did with the the elders came to my house, I asked them about their first names and whatever, and because it, it drops that formality, especially like if if you do take that approach where you're like, you know, okay. I've left the church. All right, come on, let's just, let's just get that out of the way. You know, I've, I've done all this and I'm, I'm going to tell you that, yes, I have an agenda. Yes, this is my perspective. But hey, you know, I'm not going to be disingenuous. I'm not going to be dishonest with you. This is me. Accept me for who I am. And guess right. what? I'm going to accept you for who you are. Right. And, what? and I'm not going to actually judge you guys because, dude, I respect what you guys are doing. I was there. So, yeah. Respect well, may be a little strong. But yeah, why? Why? <laughs> Just because for you, maybe. Yes, yeah. For me, it is. It is. It's hard. It's hard. I actually do. I. I, I, I think know. it takes a lot to to get to a place where you're going to serve a mission and then stay out there. That's a lot. That's true. All right. So is that it? We're done. Yeah. That's yeah. That's it. Just like that. G'day. This is Matthew Bride from Brisbane, Australia. I'm an unbelieving Mormon, and I love Game on Thrones. This stuff on the Mormon Church is great, but I really hope you guys do some episodes with dragons soon. Winter is coming. Wait, what? This isn't Game on Thrones? Bugger. That explains the no dragons. Okay, well, you two can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear... Give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I, I really did. Anyone for the closing prayer? Anyone? Anyone? Make your fellow to Infants on Thrones.